set i'm all set yeah all right, i'm ready cool. to record our mic synced up yeah i think i think we're good how's uh how's my audio level no you sound good to me okay cool i've i've, I've been popping it a lot lately yeah and not like not on not on the dance floor like in yeah. an abrasive way when you're listening to uh well i take that back i have been popping it a lot on the dance floor but not locking but... it or dropping it exactly and it's honestly no matter how much you pop it on the dance floor it's really it doesn't excuse it if you pop the audio, if you pop it when you're recording podcast audio, you know? That's right. Hey, um, I just want to tell you both, uh, good luck. We're all counting on you. Thanks, Vanessa. All right, time for another exciting episode of Movies for When. We're ready to go. Um, Greg, Greg, Gregity, Greg, Greg, Greg. This week, we are doing Movies for When. You want to watch something under 90 minutes, working title? Do we have a better way to phrase that? Yeah, I had it in as when you only have 90 minutes to watch a good movie. Hey, we do have a better way to say that. Well said, Greg. I'm here for um, titles. You are. Um, so this week, uh, we are going to be doing The Iron Giant, Gregory's Pick, Ooh. Francis Ha, The Pick of Myself, not by the hair on my dinny din din. Um, that's my new nickname. That's what everyone's calling me. Um, and uh, our audience pick, which I wanted to take a minute to talk about. Uh, we just had uh, over, I don't know what our previous high number of votes was. Probably like, it was below 30. It was like 28 maybe. Dude, I, maybe up to I, feel, I feel confident that we at least doubled it this week. Yeah. Um, I, we finished at 54 votes. Oh, jeez. Uh, I thought it was... <laughs> I thought it was still at 40-something. Okay. No, dude. We, and, like, people might have even voted. That's just when I close the poll, but it's not locked, so people might have voted since. Um, But, yeah, man, um, I'm just kind of curious, you know. Did I post this at the right time for the algorithm, or is our following growing organically, Greg? I, I legitimately don't know the answer. I want it. I want it to be the second one, but I I, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody was just in a good mood, I guess. People were yeah. just like, "Holy shit, rope!" And then they yeah. felt like they had to vote. Jesus God. Um, yeah, our our poll options this week: uh, surprising number of great movies under ninety minutes to choose from. Yeah. Um, so we had with twenty one votes, the winner, Airplane, nineteen eighty. Uh, defeating with 14 votes in second place, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. This close. Don't worry. It will I've happen. Got, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling it's going to be a Tucker and Dale type of October this year. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you agree? I agree. Absolutely. Um, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping, the only movie to lose two polls. has <laughs> <laughs> been suggested twice for our polls by audience members and lost twice. Uh, and uh, pour some out for Popstar because it's a great movie with 10 votes. Um, Rope with three votes. Uh, with The Wicker Man, the original, with three votes. Sleepwalk with me. 
uh, with two votes and only one vote for uh, I mistyped the squid and the wale. Yeah, um, I, I was gonna say that if you let me read those, but yeah, <laughs> good catch. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice that till way too late. I was supposed to be the squid and the whale, but uh, honestly, I think I'd much rather watch a movie about squid and the hip hop artist Dude, Wale. It's just the uh, what was it, the octopus teacher? But it, it's just Wale <laughs> <laughs> miscalling octopi squid. <laughs> Fun fact, Wale is a massive pro wrestling fan and does lots of things for the business. So he's 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 aces with me, man. He's yeah. he's coming up roses. I love me some Wale. Man. Um I've got a lot to talk about this week, man. Like I kinda wanted yeah. I kinda wanted to do like a new thing where we if you know, it, I, I want to talk about other stuff that we might be watching besides the movies we watch. Yeah, dude, but let's do it. Before we do that, I gotta discuss your haircut. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of sweaty now. It's not in its fullest form. I gotta, I gotta see it fully volumized so I can fully judge it. But right now, it's sitting at a nine point nine nine out of ten. So thank you so much. I'd like to give a shout out to Bird the Barber at Medina's. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I was just feeling myself and walked in there and said, "I want a mullet and I want handlebar mutton chops." And you're the expert, and I know I am balding. So I want you to, <laughs> I want you to work your magic and do what you can with this hairline. Um, and let me tell you guys, Bird is fantastic, and I'm not being hyperbolic like I normally am when I say right now in this moment, Literally. I feel better about my personal appearance than I ever have in my entire life. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not joking. Uh, I've look at you. I, we must embrace the mullet um that's right self-confidence is sexy and so is denny hey <laughs> greg what what have you been watching lately man other than uh what we're up to on here uh i did want to give some love to jackass which we saw in theaters the other night jackass i thought we forever. were gonna see that together I, you motherfucker i know but she needed to get out of the the place and it was a night when you were busy I'm and sorry, you tell buddy. me this on the air. That's right. I'm sorry. I literally tragically looked up show times for this weekend, and they weren't posted yet. I, I was I was planning on it, Greg. Oops. Planning on it, you monster. How was Jackass for? Ever. There we go. <laughs> it was great, man. Um, get ready for some genitals, folks. Um, <laughs> I don't think we even need a spoiler tag. That it's nope. Jackass four i if i'd be disappointed if there weren't genitals greg yeah a precedent amount um lee and i have also been watching murderville on netflix hey we just finished so the uh, sharon stone episode oh i'm not that far oh it's great do you, what, what do you think of it i really like it it's i like it but i don't love it i want to like it more and mm -hmm. i think it's fun but I want to love it, you know, and I'm not quite there. I feel like a second season would would do a lot if they like learned from this season. I'm on yeah. the I'm on the cusp of loving it though. But you know, my fiance and I we're really big fans of like actors breaking and just not being able to hold back laughter. And 
you could tell that's kind of what they were going for here and yeah it's it's the it's the right amount of breaking for us dude kumail nanjiani was someone that i thought would be like stone-faced and he broke so many times yeah the most so far (laughs) (laughs) like without a doubt um no i i do think they i think they have a great premise and i honestly think the show is doing a lot more things than the uh the guest actors are utilizing Mm. from what i've seen i'm only like two or three in and so i'm like i i think this will really benefit from like people seeing it it getting renewed for a second season and the guest coming in like with an expectation you know like with with kind of knowing what this is all about because i get like it's improv but like a lot of the times they just seem kind of confused. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, the celebrity guests seem like they uh, they like legitimately don't know what to do. Um, um, and so I think uh, familiarity with the format will help it out a lot. I think so. And I feel like in a few cases it doesn't feel like they were given enough time to really get used to what was going on. But I got to say, man, Marshawn Lynch just seemed game for everything. He, oh my he God. killed it. He's the best. He's the best so far, without a doubt. He's so. If funny, you if man. you told me, and by the way, I found out who Marshawn Lynch is because of this show. Apparently, he plays a sport. Is that correct? Yeah, beast mode. What's he, he runs really fast and really hard. Yeah, in a football game. Football. Okay, cool. Uh, um, I have no Seattle idea who Seahawks. the dude is. Yeah. Um, I if you told me he was going to have a funnier episode than Conan O'Brien. You know, like, that dude <laughs> crushed it. Like, he was fantastic. I loved him. He's a great guy. All right. Yeah. Um, shall we get into these movies? Uh, fair warning. This is movies for when you only have 90 minutes to watch a good movie. This is not a podcast for when you only have 90 minutes to listen to a podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, my, my challenge to us is to make this podcast longer than the combined run times of the movies we're reviewing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Produced by James Cameron. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> for when? If the podcast ends, your parents are getting divorced. No. <laughs> Our podcast is part of the critically acclaimed "long for no reason" genre. <laughs> yes, and Tarantino made podcast. Hey, Cha- Tarantino has reasons. Cha- James Cameron doesn't. Chapter one, opening gimmicks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Greg! But we're uh, not going to st- say a bad slur. So here we go, folks. We're we're kicking off with uh, the Iron Giant. Yeah, I- this is your pick. I think it would be best if you do the synopsis. Yeah. Oh wait, but where where'd you watch it? I watched the Iron Giant on HBO Max. That is also where I watched it. It's available on HBO Max, folks. Um, I wish you can watch was, it right there. I wish that was the case for more things. More on that later. <laughs> because <laughs> jesus um the iron giant 1999's animated classic uh one of the final uh, animated films of hand-drawn animation it's uh, an age where we're starting to incorporate cgi into our hand animation uh, i think it works very well this is an animated movie which voice actor uh, voice acting from Vin Diesel, Harry Connick Jr., Jennifer Aniston, the list goes on. It's a good flick. It's uh, directed by Brad Bird, who you may know from both Incredibles movies, Incredibles movies, and Ratatouille. He wrote and directed those, and this oh, was that explains so much. Yep, go on. It sure does. Um, this was his first foray into animation. This was 
he was going to direct the Incredibles with hand-drawn animation, but that didn't get really lit until the move into Pixar. And then it turned into whole being all CGI. This movie has a story, though. Let me get into that. <laughs> uh, Brad Bird wanted to ask the question, uh, what if a gun had a soul? Uh, Brad Bird's sister, um, unfortunately, was a victim of gun violence and passed away, and this movie is dedicated to her. And this is an exploration of uh, the nature of gun violence and kind of the fear in our, our kind of cultural tendency to just default to violent response. Uh, it is about, it is set in 1957 in a small town in Maine where a young boy discovers an iron giant, hence the title, has crash landed on Earth from space. We don't know from where or what his purpose is. Neither does he. He's got a bump in his head, you see? So he doesn't remember where he came from. He befriends the giant who eats metal, uh, tries to keep him a secret because the government is out to find him. There's stories of uh, something wreaking havoc on the town and the government's looking for him. So Hogarth, our young hero, has to hide the giant. Very fun, uh, but eventually uh, of course, you can't hide a giant robot forever. He gets spotted. The army arrives and does violence. And TBD. We'll we'll talk about what happens next. <laughs> Denny, do you do you have a history with this movie? Um, I do. Uh, who's the? Uh, oh, sorry, I, I I saw this movie once in theaters. Uh, it came out in '99, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming I was nine years old. And I thought it was boring. Um, I just, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't do it for me. Um, and so as people have, it's, it's become a kind of cult classic. People really like this movie, especially from our generation. But I don't even know that I'd call it a generational film. Um, I have just kind of been like, dude, I'm honestly always down to give it a second chance. I'll, uh. I'll try anything twice. I was nine years old, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, my tastes have evolved. Um, and I just never really had a reason to, you know, cause it's not like I wanted it so bad, but I was always willing. Right. That's um, what this podcast is for kind of. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So I, I was really excited when you picked it. Cause I was like, dude, yeah, finally gave me a reason to check it out again. I'm down. I want to know what everyone's talking about. <laughs> and, uh, Man, I'd, I'd honestly put it in the category of I appreciated it. I respected it. It is not really my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. um, I still thought it was pretty boring uh, up until the third act, which I thought was really good. And I'm not going to pretend I didn't really powerfully feel something when that screw rolled out the window. Um, but that was also the last moment in the movie. Um, and I, I kind of needed that a little sooner, you know? Um, but who, who'd you say the writer director was Brad bird, Brad bird, dude, this is, I've, I've felt like I've been taking crazy pills my whole life. I do not like the Incredibles. I don't like it. And I do not, <clears throat> I do not love Ratatouille. I find it. I find it enjoyable enough uh, for watching once, and I'll. I wouldn't be mad if someone put it on, but I'm probably never going to seek it out and watch it again. Um, and I feel pretty. I, I I feel pretty like Incredibles annoys me. 
Ratatouille, I'm just like, hey, it's it's cool enough. It's fine. Not the strongest Pixar, but it's it's cool, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so, honestly, I think now that we've connected these dots with the Iron Giant, hey, I gotta say, I think that maybe Brad Bird, you said, mm-hmm. perhaps he's just not my flavor. You know, like I I don't really have a ton of shit to talk. Uh, those movies don't make me angry but it seems that they resonate with most people in a way that they just don't resonate with me. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not saying people are wrong for liking them. I'm saying, Hey, I don't hate it, but I don't get it either. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, I, I just don't, it's, it seems to be more about me than the movies, you know? So I hope no one will take offense. It's just not my cup of tea. Can I use that as a segue for my relationship. Yeah. More about me than the movies. Uh, no, just his, uh, his work with Pixar. Um, mm-hmm. I will say at some point, teaser for the future, and we've spoiled some of the content already. At some point, we w- we do want to do tier list videos for a YouTube channel, where at we'll, some point, kind of like posting on our Instagram or like at making a point. podcast. It, it happens. Hey, we did we did that one. <laughs> exactly. We did that one. We did that one. And you know, I always wanted to do like a tier list of Pixar movies, and mm. now I know where your heart lies on some of those. But yeah, yeah, like Pixar movies and everyone's favorite. If you ask people like what the best one is, it's Jesus fucking Christ. That startled me. Hey, uh, I just wanted to tell you both. Good luck. We're all counting on you. So tier list of podcast or uh, Pixar movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but like everyone's favorite, everyone's top tier ones. It's all, it's always the one that came out when you were 13, right? Like, it always varies by age group. Well, actually, the thing I, that... I'm the inverse. I'm the inverse. That's wild. That doesn't make any sense. I was I was too cool to feel things in middle school. Now you feel and too that much. Is, yeah, it fucking got me on the back end, by the way. Greg's not making a joke. That's how it works. If you numb your feelings, uh, you will intensify them, and they will catch up to you, and you will feel a lifetimes of emotions around the age... 26 in my experience and it's going to take about six years before they kind of level out (laughs) so anyway um no but like the three pixar movies that came out when i was in middle school were finding nemo monsters inc and the incredibles Mm -hmm. and i saw them all in theaters um i do not have a sentimental attachment to any of them um i've gone back and been like hey finding nemo and monsters inc are pretty good but they're not like my heart's movies you know Mm -hmm. um Incredibles annoys the shit out of me. I don't think Edna Mode is funny. I think the premise is lazy. No capes! It's a whole joke. She's short and physical and aggressive and has an accent and she she's voiced. Runs a- hey, hey, guess what? She's voiced by Brad Bird. How fun is that? <laughs> okay, now I, I'm 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 fu- fully solidifying your points here. No, absolutely. Uh, clearly. <laughs> Um, clearly someone who reminds me of Brad Bird has wronged me in some way because <laughs> I think so. His, his greatest successes piss me off. <laughs> like, and I don't, I never knew that until now. This was all, this was all seemingly unrelated information to me, but, but go hey, on, describe your relationship. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell my fiance to skip this episode or at least this first segment. Um, I want, I want Leah to like me. Yeah. All that to say this movie was one of my you know came out again when i was nine it was 
in the VCR player constantly. I was rewinding it, playing it again, rewinding it, playing it again. I watched this a ton as a kid, so I've got a lot of emotional attachment to it. Um, all that to say, I tried to put, you know, movies I saw a bunch as a kid, I tried to put aside the bias I may have from mm -hmm. the fact that I loved it as a kid. I kind of had a hard time doing it with this one, and I really tried to clear that out of my head because I haven't, I haven't seen this one in maybe 10 or so years. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a really long while since I've seen this one. But yeah, I saw it a ton as a kid, and I really liked it more on this go-round, honestly. Um, just with, like, you know, the climate of the world it's, as we've been growing up, just the it's, it's clear that nothing's changed. So it's it makes for an interesting watch when it's just like you're seeing more and more with like the the minor characters in this movie stuff that carries through even to now uh 23 years after the movie came out, right? Mm -hmm. Um oh no, the like if I'm going to say negatives, it's not going to be about the themes. Like that those yeah. were those were awesome. Like those exactly. were really mature and well well done themes. Yeah. Like, I I awesome. I never found myself bored as a kid, so I think I was more open to enjoying like the jokes and like the different sequences mm -hmm. um, more now. And then I was more in tune with the themes now as an adult. Mm -hmm. the The theme, you know, a lot of that stuff went over my head when I was a kid, at least a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. some of it works its way in there without you realizing, but it was, you know. Um, yeah, when I, people were like, "It's a story about the horrors of war." I was like, uh, eh. I must have missed that <laughs> when I was a child. <laughs> Is it? You know. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's room for childhood fun in here. Um, sorry to hear you thought it was boring. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, too, because, I like, again, uh, we like liking things on mm -hmm. this podcast. I want to like every movie we watch. Um, coolest thing that could have happened to me would be if... Uh, Cats just surprised me, and I loved it. You know, like we were, I, we we were open for that. We were we were our minds were open to letting cats always. just entrance us and be like, you know what, some of yeah. the songs are pretty cool, but you know what, sometimes yeah. shit just sucks. <laughs> I'd even go as far as to say we might have tried to like it, we tr and we, just they, dude, <laughs> we tried for a hundred and twenty seconds, <laughs> <laughs> and then it became very clear that uh, that was impossible. And uh, if if they're not going to put forth effort, why should I? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, cats is the gift that keeps on giving, man. Um, it really does. Oh man, this movie could use some cats. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know really what to say. Like this. I just, I don't know. This is endlessly quotable for me, but only because I watch it a bunch. It's like this, Emperor's New Groove, um, like a, a couple of movies like that that my family yeah, yeah. and I will just quote to each other constantly. Like, we still say some of the stuff that's in this movie to each other now. Yeah. Because uh, it just clicked with our our little group for whatever reason. Yep. So, like... What I'm, the vibe I'm getting is that this is your requiem for an out cold, where we we have a reverse dynamic where, um, you, uh, like without cold, I I loved it and like probably on some level have it like eighty percent memorized without even trying. Um, yeah. And and you had never seen it, 
I functionally had never seen this movie. I didn't really remember much about it other than there was a giant, he was iron, and it was not that exciting for me. Um, And so this is a reverse, but there's one key difference, and it's that the iron giant has actually aged well. I was (laughs) about to say, that's the key difference. (laughs) Nah, man. Uh, Let's talk about what's aged well about it. I'll start. uh, Dude beautiful animation yes Um, yes you heard me whisper i i I didn't hear you whisper until i'd already said it um but i i dude so and again this is something that's just because of the time i grew up in and Mm -hmm. not because it's better um i really like 2d animation me Um, too i really really like it and i also really really like 3d animation and i wish I don't see any reason why we couldn't have had both. You know, like you Dude. you get Pixar movies and you get Iron Giants. Uh, you know, like I, I, that would have been awesome. A little side note, why I don't understand why we couldn't get more of a mix. Like this was such a tiny window. And like yeah. this and Treasure Planet are like really the only yeah. examples I could think of of like integrating the two together. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure well, like, there's you, some... you see it you see it for scenes and like the great mouse detective and Aladdin. Um, yeah, and if yeah. I recall correctly, yeah, uh, correct, I yeah. want to say the second Pokemon movie, uh, it was kind of a hybrid at times. I think uh, I the, saw that the, once. Yeah. The, the Lugia one. Um, but <sighs> yep. Hey, you and my dad made the same joke, yes. except he beat you by 20 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but even in those movies, it's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, this would have blown my mind in 1993, but mm-hmm. um, even even then, I remember looking at it and being like, mm, this is kind of uh, breaking my immersion. You know, like you're, the, the world around the world we've been in is changing, and that's absolutely not the case of uh, the Iron Giant. Seamless mesh, you know, just like perfect combination of 2D and 3D. Mm-hmm. And usually, usually when we got that, and Greg, you, you know... I also feel similarly about the Emperor's New Groove as I do to Iron Giant. I'm not trying to, not trying to shit on your cake in the middle of your birthday party, um, but it's just, it's not my favorite movie. Um, for for Emperor's New Groove and Atlantis and basically every Cartoon Network original from the late '90s to early 2000s, I hated the animation style of like very square people with square fingers and really yeah. thick square angular black outlines on all of them it's just not a not an animation style i dig and this didn't have it this this was like right what i like to see in my 2d animation i i wasn't a huge fan of atlantis but i think i was more open to that kind of stuff because i have tiny little arms and giant long hands so I kind of look like that animation style. I think that's why I'm a little more open to it. Perhaps it's because, yeah, you're more angular and I'm more round. I, and yeah, I prefer I've, more round animation. I've got all these fucking triangles. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an isosceles ass body, and I've just got to like <laughs> watch Hashtag something that accepts ass me. Body. <laughs> I gotta watch something that really ex- like accepts me for who I am. They did a those movies did a whole lot for a trapezoidal human representation in cinema. And I will uh, never downplay that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate um, your respect for that. Greg, what did, what did you love about the animation, my man? Uh this is like the little kid response of all of it. 
but just like i love seeing you this giddy please keep going like i i don't want to be a negative nancy on any of it you're making me happy no i think my favorite animation that i've seen in a movie my favorite animated movie that's like not not necessarily maybe the strongest story but my favorite anime movie i think animated movie i think has to be um oh shoot what is it called rescuers down under that is probably my favorite animated movie. Don't you yeah. dare shit in my birthday cake or whatever you said. I, I saw it when I was really little, and I don't remember it. So uh, it came out in 90. It's, it's old. We, we had the VHS, and I watched it a couple times, but I was young, young. And I know that... I know I remember mice riding a bird, and that's about it. Yep, you know, that's, like that's, and that's, I, that's I'm, part of the high. That's they ride a couple birds. It's pretty great. That, that's one where the verdict is out. I, I I need to rewatch that before I can have an opinion on it. Hey, I just no know worries. I've seen it a couple times, but barely remember it. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, uh, what I love about that one is the giant bird and even the lizard is something I love in animation is giving something that doesn't really have a lot of emotion or necessarily means to express emotion giving them personality and expression mm -hmm. so this movie we've got a giant metal robot how the hell do you give a robot that doesn't know where it's from and can barely speak personality and expression and communicate its desires and like what it wants to an audience of kids and have them like easily pick up on that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think they're really successful at really just creating this giant and it helps with the eyes, like they can shut like different directions, just giving him yeah. emotion. And then Vin Diesel's performance has a lot of emotion behind it, despite it being, just you know, completely just robotic. that in there. That blew my mind that that was Vin Diesel. I remember like, I think, it was one of the special features or like if you watch the vhs long enough or whatever you see him like in this some behind the scenes of him in the studio and he's like he's like stiffening up his arms and trying to get all robot mode it's weird man but it works it worked for the movie so yeah i just i like the town they're in i like just the tall pine trees i like just that 50s aesthetic but it's not like an inaccessible sort of aesthetic you know Mm -hmm. it's something that as somebody that didn't grow up in that time like this movie is set when my the year my dad was born like how right. the hell do i have any sort of context for that but this movie doesn't alienate me from that but it it feels like a normal time that was maybe from the past all that to say animation good <laughs> me like yeah i no, lost my it, train of thought at least twice but no it, i got it there. really it really was fantastic and you know like while you're on the giants portrayal um i thought they did a really good job of making some subtle changes to him that could show you he's either adorable and innocent or aggressive right like yeah. they they could make him real scary really fast and they, they did a really good job of representing that visually mm -hmm. uh, but that he was harmless if you just left him alone and tried to be his buddy he was kind of just more of a scavenger than anything his attacks were always like defensive you know that kind of mm -hmm. seemed like his style um yeah man uh hey i got a question what's up the name hogarth is that a, is that a reference to something is i that, like do I, uh, is that like a book character or... i don't think so not that i know of i do i do like that um uh shoot what's the government uh kent 
the government the um government guy that's like investigating this whole thing he like talks to himself in the car he's like what the hell kind of name is hogarth who would name yeah. their kid hogarth yeah it was like was Hog-hug. he named after was he named after his father who was also a cave troll oh. <laughs> that's 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 what's named hogarth <laughs> you know, like... they have a cave troll <laughs> round of applause Okay, before I made fun of it, I wanted to know if it's, like, if he was, like, named after some sort of Captain Nemo-type character that he symbolizes, then I'd look like an idiot for not knowing it. Yeah, unless it's, like... Maybe I do, but at least we both look dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Because we both don't know it. (laughs) Dude, it would be terrible if it was, like, Brad Bird's uncle, who also died. Uh, (laughs) Oh. Let's make sure it's not exactly that. Was he a cave troll? Uh no, <laughs> Brad Bird's uncle was a cave troll. He, he's been the troll for, in the bird family. You know, just he he's been dead for twenty years, and uh, my only connection to him is that he is therefore related to uh, someone who made a bunch of movies I wasn't too wild about. So I, I feel like they can handle a name jab at Hogarth. At That's Hogarth right, Bird. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 he ever existed. <laughs> I think, um, did you relate to Hogarth at all? Did you have any, like, did you feel any connection to him, either when you saw it as a kid or now? Did you ever feel like, uh, you know, I kind of understand what this kid's dealing with? You know, I I would do things like he did. Like, I remember one time I, uh, my mom told me to stop playing in the attic, and I was so into my, like, fantasy world that I was telling her that the Mud Monsters from Mars, which were on the cover of a Goosebumps book I liked, were mm-hmm. in the attic, and I had to go fight them, you know, like, so I, I remember doing things like that. Um, but as far as the movie goes, I didn't really feel like I had an opportunity to connect with him. You know, okay. like it was like, I felt like he was a, a pretty boiler kit, boilerplate, uh, imaginative misfit, um, that, that needs to find an unlikely friend. And I was just like, he just seemed more like an archetype to me and it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like. I connected to the robot Wally, you know, like I mm-hmm. really felt a bond with that collection of pixels. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, Hogarth, he was, he was a perfectly fine children's movie protagonist for me, but I didn't really feel a personal camaraderie with him. I'm assuming okay. you did though. And I would love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think everything you're saying is right. Um, he is pretty, boilerplate i think for a kid character mm-hmm. i do like that you know he's like discovers this giant robot he's freaking out he's like i'm the luckiest kid in america and he has this opportunity to just really impress the kids at school you know n- normally a, a child character would try to impress the wrong people and that's part of their arc is like mm-hmm. it's not about impressing these people you don't want them as friends but like he never yeah. even like mentions it to them he hides it from them further he tries to keep this to himself, so I really uh-huh. like that about him. Um, yeah, no. He's watching... I didn't even connect those dots. That's kind of neat. He didn't really have, like, a... He goes back to school and gets his uh, vindication. Like, it was just like, nah, those kids were assholes, so he stopped messing with them. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he... he I don't know if you heard his coffee-fueled rant, but he was basically moved up a grade because he yeah, needed yeah, more yeah. stimulation. That, that was a nice little, nice little touch, I thought. Oh, I love that was one of our favorite scenes is when he's just like drinks espresso and just goes off the wall. Hilarious. Yeah. No, that that was a good scene. That was a good scene. I liked it. Oh, yeah. 
I don't really have too much else to say. I don't know, man. Um, um l- let me talk more about what I like then. Please. Um, for for all for as as just just kind of boring and slow as I thought the movie was, and I just kind of was waiting around for something to happen. You know, like um, I just wasn't. I wasn't uh, connected enough to any of the characters to like really want to sit around and watch them talk when you have a perfectly perfectly good giant space robot with superpowers right next to you doing not much but eating garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like, make him do something. Um, <laughs> like, come on, fight something, uh, do a trick. Uh, How about do a cannonball in the lake? That was pretty cool, was pretty and his uh, his little uh, railroad hijinks was pretty pretty high t- high uh, very tense. I liked it, but yeah. Um, for all that, dude, when we got to the third act, uh, I I was I was you know I was with it. I was there. I was like, if the whole movie had this kind of like stakes and action and just just making me care about something and feeling like I might lose it, you know? And so maybe that's it. It was like the stakes were always that, uh, uh, what Quint, Clint, Kent, 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 um, Kent was going to discover the iron giant and then he would lose it. But the whole time it's like, okay, that's like putting a character's life in danger in the first act of the movie. Like if they're the protagonist, unless we're, (laughs) Unless we're doing Game of Thrones, I know they're not going to die. Like, it, you know, it was basically like the whole time he's looking for this giant robot and we're trying to hide it. And I was like, okay, but if he finds it, this is going to be a short movie. You know, like on some level, my brain's doing that. And Mm -hmm. so therefore, I don't think he's, I think we've got about 40 more minutes before we're in danger of him actually finding the giant. You know, Mm -hmm. like... Um, I think he will, because I can't see any other way this would go. But I think I'm going to have to sit through 40 minutes of will they, won't they. Um, you know, like, and I just, I, I didn't need it. I didn't think it was uh, compelling. However, once they will they um, <laughs> once, <laughs> once, once they, they, they willed. Once, once they, they willed. They willed. They willed. Um, there was a way, but now there's a will. Dude, I just, I really liked the third act of this movie. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was captivating. Um I thought they made me feel um, powerful emotions of sadness at injustice. You know, just like something wrong is happening and it's not going to be righted. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is, I just was like, dude, this, I fucking hate trigger happy warmongering governments. You know, like why, why do we have to just, this is why. This is why we can't get nice presents from aliens because we'll just start shooting at them. Which I also I also thought it was really cool that a children's movie in 1999 was willing to portray the United States military as anything other than always right and always good. That's a um, that's a note I have. That's it's, bold. Yeah, that's in, real in bold. 1999 and uh, set in you know pretty soon after world war ii and after the korean war mm-hmm. when like you know it's the greatest generation the military is completely revered like even the main character has a bb gun and like an army helmet yeah but yeah go ahead nah, it was it was and they were like making fun of like all the atomic age propaganda like they're mocking it and mm-hmm. calling it stupid you know like 
doing little jingles about how you're gonna die but duck and cover yeah (laughs) you know like that 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 stuff was really really good and uh yeah man i i just i thought they had a really strong ending and as much as i will sit here and say i didn't really care about the giant i didn't really feel connected to hogarth hey i was almost crying when that little screw that he got to keep just starts rolling towards the window you know, like I was, I was really, uh, really close to tears. I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was, I almost cried at that part, and, uh, like I said, they made me feel something. They made me feel something powerful. I just felt this, like, wanted to do a like, ah, yeah, when like we see the legs start hopping around in the Arctic, you know, like uh-huh. in, in Iceland and, um. I, I left with like an inspired feeling of hope after they made me feel just like this. The world is dark. There's nothing but despair. Something cool happened, but I guess we're back to normal because we fucking blew it up like always. Yeah, uh, this is. You know? <laughs> if you're making a kids movie where something sad happens, you've got to bring the mood back up and even maybe a little bit higher than yeah. where it was before, right? Yeah. Like or you can't just all end cry and their parents will never come see another movie like, you made. No, no, it's good. He sacrificed himself for the people. He's like, I miss his dad. I miss You know him. what? You know what really drove that point home for me? Something I never like connected. Hmm. It's when uh CJ and Alex Ferguson told me that their daughter oh. Felista didn't like Moana because the grandma died. She like oh. hated the movie and I was like you mean that beautiful story beat that paid off with just like redemption elements that I still listened to on Spotify earlier this week about remembering who you are? Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, she hated that movie because the grandma died." That's, and I was like, "That's, that's, that's how. Takes, man. That's how. That's how kids are seeing this stuff. Like that was like not the climax of the movie, and she just never, never got past it. You know, like never got past it." I I stand with Felista on that, man. Like I totally get it. Um, she always docks a point on Critiker for a grandma death. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you follow her, her too. Yeah. yeah, I follow Felista. Uh, <laughs> She's got a great account. She scathing review content. on Encanto. Uh, <laughs> Wait till you see Coco. Lin Manuel Miranda's a hack. Uh, just, <laughs> Oh, Greg, you froze on me. Are you still here? Yeah, we're back, baby. Okay. Um, yeah, he's he's not a hack. That's a that's a good movie. Yeah, I I haven't seen it. I want to. Um, it's good. Definitely watch it. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's my thoughts on Iron Giant. You got any more? Uh, yeah, I I think that's about it. I I there was so much that I just I didn't have. Maybe not the time. I just didn't really feel the words to kind of express how I felt about everything. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think I got everything off my chest to... I didn't. I never felt like I was defending it here, because I think it's universally, even though it was like a theatrical flop, uh, this... Brad Bird says one of his biggest regrets was rushing this out to theaters because he thought he had a hit, and then uh, it needed some more time. Um, yeah. But uh, honestly, he got it in right before 9-11. Too much time, and you can't criticize the military for 20 years, you know? So. Ooh, buddy. Yeah, this was not <laughs> have been well-received. <laughs> what the hell? Um, you want to get into gimmicks? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, we have a new gimmick this week, like we do every week. Yes. It's called the gimmick of the week. Gimmick of the week. Uh, I think we landed on uh, this wording for it. Favorite moment of brevity. Yeah. These are Let's movies. say a, a, a effective brevity. Favorite moment of effective brevity. I like it. Favorite moment of effective brevity. Basically, these are movies that, you know, you got 90 minutes. That's all the time you got. Maybe you're on a short airplane ride. Or you've only got a little bit of time. You just want to kill a little bit of time before you got to go to work. Uh, you got 90 minutes. Let's just sit back and watch one of these films. So... In respect for not wasting our time, what is our favorite moment of effective brevity for Iron Giant? Mine is we're not wasting our time to get the giant in the movie. We He's, he's the title. He's on the poster. Um, we saw him in the intro. We basically have the giant crash land on Earth and then we establish Hogarth with two scenes, and then he finds the giant. They don't waste our time with the giant. The kid wastes our time with the kid. We do meet the kid after 30 minutes. It's bullshit, <laughs> stupid, and sucks. This movie is just like, no, it's about the giant, baby. Here he is now. We, we hey. spend exactly as much time as we need figuring out Hogarth's character and his relationship with his mom. We're right on our way to his relationship with the big robot. You know what? That's, you know, that's that's the antithesis of one of my pet peeves, and I hadn't even thought about it or given it credit until you said that. So, uh, Brad Bird, I acknowledge thee. Uh, that, that's awesome. Good point, Greg. I, I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right. Um, mine is uh, simply Hog Hug. Uh, <laughs> why, why say nice. a whole name? Why, why say a whole name? <laughs> it's effective brevity. He figured out who it was simply with Hog Hug. <laughs> and that's still a more normal name than fucking Hogarth. <laughs> Dude, love it. Uh, that could have been a favorite line. Um yeah, I didn't pick it, but that's that's top notch. Yeah. Uh speaking um, of favorite lines, Denny. What's, what's your favorite line for the Iron Giant? Um something that we didn't talk about that I did love is that there is a running thread of people pretending they're pooping for a long time so they can carry out uh, uh, secret operations in the bathroom yeah. and that's not an innuendo uh, <laughs> um, constipation as a stall tactic yes rules. so my my favorite line from the movie was on that theme uh, of when we hear hogarth grunting in the background and the, one of the adults says this sort of thing is why it's so important to really chew your food um, <laughs> because it's like I was like, does this guy think he's in there trying to shit out an unchewed burrito and that's why he's straining? It's gotta be <laughs> yeah, something. So, uh, that, was, uh, that was my favorite line. What was yours, Greg? Uh, this is one of the quotes that I, talk, that I was talking about earlier. It's something me and my family will say every time we forget something. Uh, Hogarth is watching a, a black and white sci-fi horror movie on the TV and... It's just poorly acted, and it's this scientist cool. tapping in, like, trying to resurrect a brain and recreate human life. And it's this cheesily acted scientist, and he's got to get back in the lab, and he says, he's leaving with the dame, you see. And he says, darn, I seem to have left my keys in the lab. And we, <laughs> me and my family say that 
all the time. <laughs> Especially if we forget keys. You love to hear it. You love to see it. That's awesome. Uh, what's your What's your critic or score? You know, I try to. Um, you know, I, I I I was ready to decrease it from my original score. You know, keeping an open mind and trying mm-hmm. not to have a bias of like the childhood frame of mind. Uh, but more get more maturing on my part has opened my eyes to the themes and their relevance and their permanent relevance. Uh, so I kept this one at a 36 out of 40. Nice. Very nice. Um, mine's a similar rating on a different scale. I gave it a 34 out of 50, which mm. is passable, decent, uh, better than probably the majority of movies that have ever existed, but that's also because the majority of movies that have ever existed probably suck if you like looked at all of them, <laughs> you know, like ever. <laughs> well, um, guess what? We're gonna have to watch all movies now, <laughs> just just to know, um, <laughs> just to figure. Yeah, this no, out. It, just uh, just a uh, just a solid thirty-four out of fifty. That's a uh, you know, I'd, I'd rank it at uh, about a B, a solid B. Um, nothing bad to say, uh, honestly. Just, I'm probably the weird one. Not not really my thing, is all I'd say. Yeah. Uh, you are who you say you are. Be yourself. A superstar? Buddy. A superstar? I, Superman. <laughs> ha! Francis. <laughs> good, good one, Greg. Another great joke. I love when you laugh before you say the joke. Seamless edit, ha. <laughs> we're, we're back, folks. I also like Francis. laughing before I say the joke. Francis Ho Ho Ho, the Christmas special. Uh, <laughs> Francis Ho was actually a pornography knockoff of this. God. Yeah, I bet it was super artsy. It's it came just... in a two-pack with uh, Debbie Does Dallas. Yeah. But yes, oh it actually was very artsy. It was all in black and white, shot in a yeah. shitty Brooklyn apartment. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could see the genitals better than Jackass 4 in that in that black and white digital but no like beast lighting the sharp lighting was uh, there were some beastings on the genitals it's it, you pay for dvd pornography you want to see some genital torture okay very denny before you make me too francis horny let's uh <laughs> <laughs> dude did you see uh the oscar nominations they went up today. Uh, yeah, I was fairly unmoved by most of them, but I was uh, pretty hyped for uh, our girl Kristen Stewart getting a best best lead. Right? I need to see that movie, and I I will never see that her. movie because I don't care. But I'll bet it's good. But that <laughs> is the exact type of shit that I'm like, miss me with it. I good I'd rather, good for you, but <laughs> I'd rather just go to work than watch Spencer. Um, and honestly, the most notable thing Princess Di ever did was make a beanie baby, and we just revere her. So I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I've been, I've been wanting to most do a notable. bit. It's, it's a character that I'm working on. That it's called uh, in the spirit of Zach Galifianakis. Uh, the character is called the guy who thinks Princess Diana was a famous beanie baby designer, uh, and that she made the bear, and not the bear was made in tribute to her, and that she's still alive. <laughs> I don't get why everyone loves her so much. She made one beanie baby, and it was overpriced. <laughs> uh, no, no. She, uh, nowadays, she would make an NFT baby. Am I right? Fucking dab. <laughs> 
cry laughing emoji turned sideways bottom text and there <laughs> that's how you make a meme ladies and gentlemen that is how you do it post it on my facegram site all right uh, um, for more meme content follow us on instagram and maybe we'll post one if you're lucky <laughs> the meme is the page itself uh, <laughs> it's we're, a, it's we're only project. posting the nfts that we own i want to see how many followers we can get without posting I just got your, we're only posting the NFTs that we own joke. There we go. Because there's no post. Slash will own. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, please never talk to me about that bullshit. All right. Um, <laughs> I love how quickly NFTs went from, you know, it's the next Bitcoin to just an absolute punchline from everyone like no no, for, no no one takes it seriously no for me it was instant there was no no no, no i'm talking culturally culturally, culturally okay, i was yeah. immediately like who gives a donkey dick this it is was a it was a punch I've never immediately seen, i've never seen such an obvious grift in my life uh and they thought punko punko fops funko pops were the next beanie babies holy shit then what are nfts the next uh shit i took and flushed that no one ever thought about again yeah i i, I love i was kind of curious about it because i was like oh it's like something that you actually own like this has a lot of weird dangerous implications but i'm curious to see what you know they'll come up with how about a monkey that wears different clothes like oh fuck is this it like <laughs> <laughs> well that was my thing is like wwe released some for like a thousand fucking dollars or something and they were like very disinteresting and generic pictures of wrestlers and i was like google images i was about like, to say i can't wait to I just, do an image search for these and just see them anyways yeah dude, no but i was like it's not even like i i get the like uh the speculator market of will the ownership be valuable if it is you're a hero if it's wrong well i don't know what literally to don't care my eyes are glazing over just... i don't care and there's also no way to predict it because every time someone has tried to predict something like this they failed uh, my personal opinion as a toy collector if you view collecting as an investment um i think someone needs to tell you what an investment is and how it works you're gonna have it's a very just... fucking bad time your your data is will people be nostalgic for this and if so will it be hard for them to find in good condition um and that's pretty difficult to predict um so <laughs> anyways um no but like all i'm saying is like it's not even that they made nfts it's that they were so fucking lame like it was like dude it's like literally just the undertaker standing there in front of a generic background do you know how many better like screen get screen caps from 1997 on granular videotape there are just sitting on Google that I would rather pay money for if I had to than that? <laughs> like, come on. Uh, but we're not here to talk about NFTs. Mm -hmm. We're here to talk about Greta Gerwig and all the good things she does. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, Francis Ha. That's what we're here to talk about. A yeah, buddy. A 2013 film that. If you're listening to this and have an AMC Plus subscription, you're a liar. Nobody has that <laughs> shit. <laughs> that got me. I didn't know it existed. You could have like I learned made up. It. You could like day. it's like it's like saying like oh that's only on Exxon Mobil Plus. Uh, like I'm just like if you said a company name in Plus, I'd believe Exxon it's Mobile. a legitimate. I'd believe it's a streaming. It's a the only way to get streaming diesel. service. I don't want. 
that they're gonna like hold something I like hostage on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's that's the way it works now. Um, Monsanto Plus is the only place that you can watch Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Uh, oh, <laughs> they destroyed all the DVDs of it in the world. They went around with a uh, hammer and went into every DVD store and just smashed them. Dude, <laughs> I, I wanted I, I wanted to revisit my childhood and watch the old episodes of Arthur, but PBS Plus was uh, big leaking me. How is PBS Plus not free? I, I don't think it exists. This is a joke. Oh, okay. I was gonna it's, say. I was like, I public. paid for that with my taxes. God damn it! Like, pledge, pledge week was my penance. You took a week away of cartoons for Pledge Week. That's what I paid. That was my PBS Plus. That was my paywall. Um, I could not skip that ad. Okay. Are we talking um, about Francis Ha or not? Not, uh, not, yeah. not yet. We're it's available not on, yet. It's available on AMC Plus. I just want to tell you both. Good luck. We're all counting on you. I just rented it on Amazon myself. Yeah, that's um, what I did. I, I didn't even get as far as AMC Plus. I didn't know that existed. Uh, and so I, I just rented it. I honestly wish I thought ahead and went and bought it because I love this movie and I'd rather just own it. But I didn't think ahead, so that's what you get when you don't think ahead. Uh, this podcast is full of moral lessons about delayed gratification and planning for the future. This is a surprisingly um, educational episode. I mean, we're talking about PBS. Uh, they they sponsor us, and that's why we educate. <laughs> that's why we educate, and we that's get right. free subscriptions to PBS Plus. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> this episode includes paid promotion. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to summarize Francis Ha. Please um, do. So Francis Ha is a movie about a woman in her late 20s who's hanging out with a bunch of other people in their late 20s and it's basically the they're basically all in the same walk of life which is fish or cut bait on your dreams that you went to college for um and uh depending on the level of privilege you have that will inform whether you cut bait or continue to fish right um mm -hmm. that that's kind of and she basically goes through lots of different places um she you know we start off with a, a really established like she has a really close uh, relationship with her best friend i believe sophie sophie was the character's name i believe so um they're really close it's everything she's ever wanted she's kind of broke but she's you know she's a she's a professional dancer she's living with her best friend she's having a good life um and then her best friend gets a rich douchey boyfriend um who's not actually that douchey he's just kind of basic um and francis gets really hurt and wounded and jealous and feels very abandoned and then she basically gets fired um gets fired from her dance job and so basically she's looking around and having to be like okay um everyone is growing up around me they're all kind of moving forward and at first i was just kind of treading water and staying lateral a little too long after it was like the cool thing to do and now i'm moving backwards um i'm regressing and i just can't seem to get my shit together and you're rooting for her and uh uh well you know long story short uh our girl you know pulls it all together and finds a home for herself um and and she just figures out a way to live the good life and we're all real proud of her um I picked this movie, first of all, because there, there's so many reasons why I love this movie. And 
it, it's also something that like the whole is su or the the sum is greater than the whole of its parts is that what, no the whole is greater than the sum of its parts that's how you say it yeah um you know like i the way i described the plot i was even hearing myself and i was like i'm doing my best but i really this sounds boring <laughs> you know like I, I this doesn't sound compelling um and i think it's because there's so much feeling in it and there's so much relatability in it that really makes a fairly straightforward uh not incredibly high stakes plot something that's very special um i'll start by saying dude i am just such a fan of greta gerwig uh everything she touches turns to gold uh little women uh uh lady bird and she is like the best part of uh house of the devil uh, she's just, I, I just everything she does is amazing and this is my favorite thing that she's in I believe uh, her husband directed it I forget his name do you know his name <sighs> something Greenberg uh, no, Noah, Noah Bombach Noah is, Bombach I wasn't close is that is that is that correct <laughs> it is Noah um, Bombach yeah I have okay, it right yeah. here so yeah he's, I was two seconds away I didn't uh, need to guess <laughs> he, he and Greta Gerwig are married and they collaborate on a lot of stuff and it's, it's I did just, not know that yep it's great That's whatever cool. they do um, so not only do I love it for those reasons, um, I love it because it is a rare movie in a very narrow genre that I really love and think is always really powerful, which is what I call the second coming of age genre. Um, basically Ooh. where you realize that your first coming of age was a bunch of starry eyed bullshit and you've got to actually grow up now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and what do you do then? Um, a few other movies in that genre are uh, Reality Bites, um, Obvious Child, uh, kind of Ghost World, um, technically St. Elmo's Fire, but it sucks, so we're not going to count it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that movie fucking blows. Um, John Hughes, Wannabe Ash, Brat Pack, Wish They Were Shit. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I love it for those reasons. And also, dude, I really love it for um you know this is the most uh this is the most female gaze episode movie that we've covered on this podcast uh, those I think. are called lesbians oh excuse me the female gaze g-a-z-e um not to be confused with the male gaze which is men who are sexually and romantically attracted to other men um and we <laughs> it's no it's it's basically um for those that didn't go to film school or youtube about it uh <laughs> it's not just in film it's in art but it's this idea that uh basically all the media we're consuming presents the world through the male gaze like as though we're watching it through a man's eyes um mm -hmm. and uh that can be manifested in some of the most obvious ways which is sexualizing women um some of the less obvious ways are um treating uh treating something like being in the girl's bathroom or being in a woman's bedroom as a privileged view you know like something that's like uh, a special a special moment whereas like to a woman being in the women's locker room or being in her bedroom or her friend's bedroom would not really be special it would be just mundane you know mm -hmm. um and so not only do we really get that we get uh we get a focus on female friendship um which the, and hear me out um two women being friends is just as mundane and just as boring as um as a nerdy guy asking a pretty girl to the prom um oh, okay and that those are not special or unique things but for some reason we've got about a thousand movies about nerdy guys asking pretty girls to the prom and very very few movies that really like accentuate just 
a special friendship between two women and the obstacles that friendship faced. And I'd imagine, I'm not a woman, but I've got to imagine it's a pretty relatable premise for women being friends with another woman. And there's basically very, very little media um, that really leans into that in in a serious way that's not necessarily like, a, you know, like bubblegum, teeny bopper chick flick. You know, that like treats it like most movies would treat a male friendship as something special and important. And so basically by just de facto by there not being a lot of movies like Francis Ha, even though there's no real reason for that other than systemic injustice and uh, male bias. Uh, sorry, women. We, we didn't vote for it. We're, we're, we're doing our best, me and Greg. Um, there's no real reason that there wouldn't be a lot of movies like Francis Ha, but there aren't. Um, and so for that reason, Francis Ha is really special. You know, like it really stands mm. out as something unique, even though it's really covering something really basic, which is two women are very good friends and life changes and they have to figure out how that's going to affect their friendship. That's really not high concept. Right. But there's just not a lot that there's not a lot of movies that would be like, and that's the movie. That's what it's about. That's not a factor of it. That's, that's what the movie's about, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my relationship with it is I saw it once a couple of years ago. I really liked it and I've been waiting for an excuse to rewatch it ever since. And I finally found one when I realized it was under 90 minutes, which blew my mind. Uh, Greg, what's your relationship with Francis Haw? Well, damn. After all that, my relationship with this movie, never seen it. Cool! Um, I, was, I, I was surprised to learn that this one was under 90 minutes. I had heard of this movie. I do like Greta Gerwig because Lady Bird, I, I really like that. I was really high on Lady Bird. Um so I, I was I was familiar with at least her at least her name in some sense um man um I, I actually sorry go ahead didn't know anything about it didn't like the title until I got it now, uh, now, we're, now we're, gonna, got we're it. gonna get into that we're gonna yeah. get into that this is where this is where you should watch this movie it's streaming on the Criterion channel which if you don't know oh. about the Criterion channel and you like art house movies, it's the best damn streaming service there is. Um, if you just want to like, if you want to watch artsy international stuff, which I go through phases where I do, um, and I'll sub the, I'll sub the criterion channel when I'm going through that phase. And I'll usually unsub it when it's over. Cause it's a particular type of mood. All mm -hmm. that goes to say, I was ready to re up my subscription cause Francis Ha was on there and their app is so shitty, it wouldn't work. So eventually I said, fuck it. Have $3, Jeff Bezos. I really tried to support uh, something I love, but their their app just kept quitting every time I did anything on it. So oh, that sucks. Uh, let's hope by the time of this airing it's fixed, because it's, it's, a, it's a great service with just like... Th th their slogan is correct. Uh, it's the best streaming service you've never heard of. Um, and of all the streaming services you've never heard of, and believe me, AMC um, Plus is not AMC one of them. AMC Plus, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Taco Bell Premium. Uh, uh, you can watch all your favorite Taco Bell commercials with exclusive director's bonus content. Uh, Criterion Channel is definitely Good the Lord. best one of the ones you've never heard of, and it's better than a lot of the ones you have heard of. So um, if it's working, I recommend watching it there. Uh yeah, I'll I'll wait to see what I can rent from yeah. Enterprise Rent a Card Extra Rewards package. But um... <laughs> Greg, what a 
What were your expectations going into this movie? You didn't like the title, and that's about all you knew about it. What were your expectations? Um, literally none. I had zero expectations. I was going into it completely blind, which is my favorite, absolute favorite way to approach a movie, is knowing absolutely nothing about it. Cool. Um, judging it by its own merits, uh, with no influence whatsoever. Uh, I gotta say, man, I don't think I like this one as much as you did. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> for really, for two reasons. Because everything that you said that you really liked, I definitely agreed with. I do like a film that is willing to explore just like the mundane female space, you know? Just yeah. like the, munda the mundaneness of life, uh, whether it's, you know, women and the men around them or just like people in general. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go for a movie that's doesn't really like have a huge conflict if it is compelling like just personal growth and emotional kind of story mm -hmm. that's like that feels like more authentic and raw and relatable emotions and i feel like this movie definitely captures it but the two things i don't really enjoy are this is just a dumb thing from me but like the broke new yorker mm -hmm thing is just like an aesthetic that i just i'm completely sick of but to this movie's credit at least nobody goes like man i'm just so broke but i just love this city like, <laughs> we, we don't we don't need new york to be advertised anymore like i'm yeah. sick and fucking tired so the, this, of, of this movies comes that down are, to a sorry go ahead yeah I, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of movies that are just like heralding new york as like the greatest place in the world What's, I, I mean, I went there for a week. It was fine, and it's just like it. There's other places exist. Is all I'm saying. There's <laughs> some comedy where they keep saying like it's like the city itself is a character. Oh, it's uh, oh, that they was, came together. They came, they together, came together, together, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. The city of New York is a character. Oh, so like New York is like a character in the film. Yeah, it's a character. The city is a character here. <laughs> I, um, oh my god, that's so fucking funny. But yeah. Know, it, they, this, uh, go ahead yeah so that that's that's number one number two i think it kind of does its own thing maybe a little too much where it is um so mundane and like everything does feel so organic and so natural and just like we're really peering into like a believable set of lives that I feel uncomfortable watching these people live. Like, I feel like I shouldn't be there. Huh, I feel like, really? like, like you're, it's not like you were saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming at this from like a, I feel like I'm watching a girl. Like I'm in the girl's bedroom. I'm in the girl's locker room. It's, it's everyone. Like I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm not supposed to, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on people's conversations, male or female in the movie. Like hmm. I, I feel just, out of place if that makes sense like huh. i wasn't i wasn't invited to, to be a part of this and sometimes it doesn't if there there's i don't know i'll have to like maybe watch it again to figure out why but like there's some scenes where that does not affect me at all and then there's some scenes where i feel that just like cranked up to 11. Mm -hmm. uh these go to 11. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah Good like, country bears reference <laughs> My favorite country bears reference oh my god uh but yeah that those are just my two kind of 
hindrances toward yeah. the movie. But I, at the end of the day, I like the, I like what they're going for. I appreciate the art, and I can tell what I'm watching is very well made and has a ton of personality. Mm-hmm. I just feel held back a little. That's okay. So I think that's honestly, I think this will completely explain our different reactions because I hear that and I'm like, yeah. Um, I really, really, really feel a powerful, powerful longing to live in New York City. Um, and of all the of all the things in life I missed out on because I made choices that caused me to miss out on them, taking responsibility. Um, one of the only things that I'm still like, oh man, that was kind of like a key developmental moment. Uh, I would have really loved to move to a huge city like new york or chicago and Mm -hmm. see if i made it you know just sink or swim but at least have the experience and i i've I've visited new york a couple times and dude like i just immediately i had a very different reaction to you i was taking my cab from LaGuardia to my friend paul's house and i just had this emotion where i was like i went to new york i hung out with paul but yeah yeah you did um i just had this emotion that i was like First of all, I immediately see why people wrote so many songs and made so many movies about this city. I just instantly get why this inspired that. And I also knew that I was like, I'm never going to feel this way again as long as I live. I will never again know what it's like to like be seeing New York for the first time in a cab, and this is a special moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, all that goes to say... I'm probably never going to move there uh, for a lot of reasons. One, it's cold. Two, it's expensive. Three, taking your professional counseling license from state to state is a bitch and a half, and I'll probably just post up in Texas. Uh, Three, the people I love are here, except for you, Paul. Oh, four. Um, So all that goes to say (laughs) that it's kind of like a fantasy fulfillment thing for me to watch movies about a about young people in the city because i'm just like hey would have loved to do that and i'll probably never do it and i'm okay with that but i would have really liked to and i think part of me will always want to you know and i just i don't think scratching that itch is really worth uprooting my life in that way so i probably won't but that doesn't make the itch go away you know like um it's not a powerful it's not an itch i've got to scratch that's what i'm saying some itches, I will uproot my life to scratch them because I'll feel like I lived less of a life if I didn't. Um, and I don't I don't feel that way about living in a big city like that, but I do have the itch. And I don't know, I just I never felt uncomfortable like you felt. And there's no explaining why you felt that way and why I didn't. And we just, that's how we experienced the movie. Yeah. And uh, the, it was, so, the, so we experienced the movie differently, therefore, yeah, the right? New, like, no one did it wrong. and that thing are two completely different thoughts. It could have been yeah. set in fucking, oh, man. Sac- I was going to say Sacramento, but that's one of the places they go in this movie. Dude, that was yeah. one of my favorite parts. Like, we're not even touching on, like, the content of the movie itself just yet. Um, we're, getting, we're talking concepts. Concepts, yeah. then content. This is a podcast that doesn't deep dive into film theory this is a movie that says we watched a movie here's how we feel yeah sometimes it's very broad sometimes we just got to talk about the specifics of wolves climbing a jacket rope to get onto a (laughs) ski lift um and this is definitely like an overarching um discussion of emotions about a movie because it's it it covers such a broad range of emotions this movie 
uh, in so many different places over such a long span of time that, you know, it, it's really hard to, like, pin down scenes that made me feel this way or mm-hmm. a story progression that reminds me of some other movie or something like that. It's 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 very unique, so you kind of have to describe it as a whole piece rather than piece by piece, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think there's there's also another factor of why I would relate to it so much i think it gave me hope because when i first saw it i was looking at the people around me the people that i grew up with that i went to college with and i was just like man i feel so behind you know like i just and i like not even in a shaming way but just as a result of some life choices uh me and vanessa were you know three to five years behind everybody else who didn't completely uh you know uh start over after a couple years of moving you know like most most of our friends just kept building um and we around 25 uh said fuck it (laughs) and just were like back to square one uh all, all of college was a mistake uh our friends are all buying houses and having disposable income and offering to buy us a drink at the bar and we're living off ramen noodles like we're still doing this you know like it just i felt so behind and this movie gave me hope that there was hope for me and i don't know i enjoyed watching it now not really feeling all that behind anymore you know like it it was a cool experience for me i definitely i'm definitely in the same boat because you know not to mention like everyone having kids and mm-hmm. everything like mm-hmm. that, but just like people start building on the foundation while it feels like I'm looking around trying to find the right foundation that I yes. want to set up on. Yes. And you know, there's just been, there's been foundations that I thought this is it and started building and it wound yep. up being completely the wrong thing. Scrap the project, move on to the next thing. And I feel myself, you know, maybe not so much anymore, but just like I, I would always just feel myself like constantly just exhausted from having to like scrap everything and start over from what I felt like was scratch. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm going to find the right foundation. Yeah. Right. And maybe if I rushed the build, so to speak, then I wouldn't have stood different tests of time or like tests of tribulations in life. And I feel like I'm really finding a, bottom strength that maybe other people did find earlier or maybe they never found at all but Hell we're all yeah. getting there hell yeah man and you know um houses they're good dude, metaphors love that no no your metaphor is gonna be a talking point for a discussion i want to have in a minute um because you said something that just really struck with me don't you dare say you suck at metaphors um, no i said houses are good metaphors oh i thought you said and how much do i suck at metaphors oh no no, no 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 houses are good metaphors yeah i was like this movie is about a house um but but i wanted to say something that uh i wanted to say something that a professor i looked up to said a lot to me or said not said a lot to me said once to me that that i think about a lot Mm -hmm. which is he was when i was telling him some of these concerns he was just like denny you are living an atypical life um just your your path is different and it's really just not fair to you to compare your progress to people who are walking a typical path. That's that's not fair to you to look at people who found the way they wanted to go and started walking and just kept going when they were 18 years old 
yeah, yeah. your life's not going to look like that, brother. And why should it? Because that's not what you did. You know, like, it, don't don't use them as your barometer for who's doing okay. They are doing okay, and that's great. But why would you be in the same place they are when you walked a different path? Right. Like, it, it's, I don't know, man. Um, so I want to get into uh, what you said about foundation, man. Um, and I didn't even think of it, but it's just like, you 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 talked about looking for a foundation to build on and you kept looking for different foundations and really this movie is about trying to find a house i even i described it like it's about her friendship with sophie and really it's about francis trying to find a place to live like sophie's not in like half the movie at a certain point you know like Mm -hmm. she fucks off for a while and francis is in despair um and this is one of my absolute favorite the most underutilized technique in cinema and it's good that it's underutilized because it wouldn't be as cool if it happened all the time um but it is using the title to manipulate your audience's expectations um and and in this movie if the movie was called francis and sophie you would have had a very different movie if you played it exactly the same, but it wouldn't have had the same effect on you. Um, if it was called Francis the Dancer, Francis McDances. Um, no, but if it was called, I'd watch the shit it, out of that. If it was called Francis the Dancer, this <laughs> movie would have had McDormand. a <laughs> this would have had a, a very different effect on you. But it was called Francis Ha. And you never really know why, and you're not even expecting to find out. You know the main character's yeah. name is Francis, and ha. You, you know like, her last name. I think they say it pretty early on, or like they show it at some point. Really? I, I didn't even remember it, and I was kind of looking for it on the second watch, and I didn't catch it. Um, maybe I read it on like a review or something yeah, when I was maybe looking up the title or something. But any, anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm saying I was looking for it and I didn't notice it. But yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not like I looked that hard. Um, but um, yeah, but so they keep showing you, they, they break up the, the, the acts in the movie with the address of where she lives at the time of, of the act. Mm-hmm. And then finally she, you know, comes to terms with her shit, uh, finds a path for herself where she can both function like an adult and have a have a sense of fulfillment and do the things she wants to do repairs things with the people she cares about stops judging people as much as she used to judge them and then you see her after all that finally move into her own place and uh she puts her name on the mailbox and it's too long so she just folds it and it says francis ha on her place of residence Mm -hmm. um first two letters of her last name and they hold it on there for the whole credits and i don't know to me it's like if you didn't call the movie that you wouldn't have known that this movie was about her finding her foundation right Mm -hmm. you would have thought oh it's about you know it's this character study and there's a woman who's a dancer and she's going through a hard friendship and she went to paris one time that would have not have been as substantive that's even a word a substantive like reveal at the end that would have just been like another cute little joke if that wasn't the title of the movie exactly but when when they because it was the title of the movie you have this moment where you're like now i get it right like you have Mm -hmm. this cool little this was all building to you getting a home and a place to build your foundation right like this wasn't about you producing your own art 
Um, this wasn't about you traveling the world. It was about you finding your base that you could build off of and be stable. Um, and that's what makes you understand that. It might have been confusing if they didn't call the movie Francis Ha. Um, and I just love it so much. And I just get this like, you know, it's a big deal because it's the title of the movie. And I'll sit there and watch the credits and just be like, Francis, you son of a gun. Francis, you dirty dog, you fucking did it. Francis fucking ha. You know, like that's mm -hmm. that's that's how it hits me. Um, I'm not entirely sure it hit you that way, so I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um it it really didn't, but you know, this has happened a couple times where just like us talking about it makes me appreciate certain things more. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely what's happening here, man. Um sometimes you gotta watch someone love something before you can love it. And I'm glad you got to watch me love this. You know, maybe it's maybe it's helping you see what I love so much about it, or maybe you're connecting to it in a different way. But g give me your reaction. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, damn, we haven't even talked about Adam Driver being in this thing, dude. I forgot he was in it. I forgot he was in it, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? I've already seen this, and I don't remember Adam fucking Driver showing up. He's he's pivotal. He's in quite a bit of it. Once I saw him, I remembered, but he just. He's not what stuck. He's not what stuck with me about the first the first viewing. I completely erased him from my like thoughts on this movie. And then when he showed up, I was like, "Oh, that's right. He's like a major character, and he's pretty good." <laughs> Dude, I also want to give some special love. Uh, France's parents. Yeah, they were great. They are performed by Greta Gerwig's actual parents. No way. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, isn't that nice? That's, That's Greta really Gerwig's cool. actual appearance. And I think I said it at the top of this thing. It was like the scene in Sacramento was like one of my favorite bits. It's mm -hmm. it's when she goes, Francis goes home for Christmas uh, and her parents live in Sacramento. They pick her up from the airport. They've got the dog with them and all that. And they're just like such charming and nice people. Mm -hmm. And it's it's her real parents. They're like, they're acting like themselves. Yeah. Which is great. Um, they're, you know... It feels like there were just hours and hours and hours of footage of her being with her parents for Christmas, mm -hmm. and they just picked little snippets of the best parts. All of that felt like real familial relationships mm -hmm. being filmed. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you know, like exactly what I was talking about before, um, I didn't feel uncomfortable or like I was peering into someplace I shouldn't have been in those scenes mm -hmm. i think it's more the conversation heavy scenes that i feel like i should be part of as someone who doesn't have the the distress tolerance that i do for social situations i would imagine that that bougie dinner party was really hard for you to get through oh my god kind, it was kind of hard for me to get through and i've got a pretty high tolerance for that and i know that that's not really your 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 game that was that was effectively uncomfortable Dude, I I think I might have skipped a couple. Uh, I hit I hit skip ahead ten seconds maybe once or twice. It's just like uh, I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not feeling this right now. <laughs> well, I, I have something to speak to your discomfort. I wonder I wonder if my inclination is correct. As you were talking about it, I I kind of started to think I was like, at a certain point, 
we're so intimate with this character Francis that I start to feel like I am her. You know, like it's not just I'm watching a movie about her, but I'm kind of seeing the world entirely from her perspective. Mm-hmm. We really never ever see anything that she doesn't know about, right? Like, and we get a lot of pretty close shots on her face. And so I kind of felt like I was embarrassingly failing at small talk at a party um, and being constantly rejected and humiliating myself while she was doing it. I'm wondering if, if you felt that sort of, oh, this is how it feels when I do this, not just when I watch someone do this. I think so. <clears throat> I think that's part of it. Um, I, I, I'm definitely a person that gets secondhand embarrassment quite a bit so like if you know if i'm out with like a group of people and like one of my friends like does something like they get too drunk and like make a fool of themselves i'm just like oh shit like if anybody sees this this is hurting me because everybody's seeing this i am hurting even though they're looking at this person right they're not looking at me i'm just like nobody come back let's reel it back let's make sure nobody thinks that we're actually here that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I respond differently and I'm like, time to put on my therapist cowboy spurs and I'm about to do what, what Nate Dogg and Warren G once did and I'm about to try to regulate this situation. I'm gonna yeah. fucking I'm gonna fucking make this go away. Um that's that's how I respond to those moments. I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this problem. You're the therapist wolf. <laughs> Oh, how do you feel? Pulp, pulp fiction. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, how do you feel how, about that? Ooh, um, but nice. no, no, I want to be pulp fiction. I want to be the therapist wolf. Lots of cream, lots ne- of sugar, lots of feelings. God, yes. Next, next time, Greg. Next time you're just in a in an embarrassing situation, um, if you just call Vanessa and let me hear her say, "You ain't got no problems, Greg. I'm on the motherfucker." I'm sending the Denny, who should be arriving shortly. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, Mrs. Taylor, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, I like that Francis smokes. Yeah. Make smoking cigarettes in movies cool again, baby. Dude, I just... God, smoking just looks so goddamn cool. Especially filmed in black and white with harsh lighting. It's so fucking cool. As someone who's trying to get rid of nicotine in their life, I wish it wasn't so goddamn cool because, baby, the the evil marketers were right, okay? Smoking is cool. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. It's cool as shit. It just also yeah. kills you. Um, yeah. It's not worth it, but don't you ever let anyone tell you it's not cool because they're lying to you. Smoking is cool. It's just going to kill you, so don't. Yeah, Sun- sunglasses are also cool. Leather jackets are cool. Uh, <laughs> just, they don't kill you. Do but that instead. Smoking while wearing both of those things. God, it's oh cool. God. It's so fucking cool. He's so amazing. His shadow. Look at his shadow. Even his shadow. <laughs> There's your uh, weekly right. uh, either community or I think you should leave reference. Or thirty rock reference. I was about yeah. to say. Uh, and, and if we're feeling froggy, Arrested Development. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I guess I I could probably talk more about Francis Haw, but I don't really have a burning topic on my mind. Do you have anything? Uh, no, nothing in particular. Um, yeah, it's, I got one. There, I, there's there's one. There's I think my last thing 
um, if you remember, 32 episodes ago, our first episode, we discussed a little movie called Nomadland. And <laughs> hold on. Don't I'm not comparing the dare. two. There are a couple of moments in this movie that reminded me of that. Insofar as a person that is on screen that does not feel like an actor, they feel like a person that is just being filmed next to actors that are trying to act like they belong in that person's world. Yeah. Specifically, there's a a moment where um, Francis bumps into her friend Benji, and Benji's with a girl on the sidewalk. And they're like, oh, hey, Francis, so what's what's been up? How are you been doing? They're kind of catching up a little. And the girl, she, this is the first time we've seen her. She's just, like, on a date with Benji or something. And the way this girl acts, I, it just feels like she's not an actor. Maybe it's, like, you know, somebody's friend on set or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. But she, like, fits the scene. She just seems like normal 26 or whatever year old girl on the sidewalk having a conversation with a person she just yes. met. And it feels natural to the point that it's unnatural to see it in a movie. It, like, draws attention to you're watching a movie, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. Francis, like, they say their goodbyes, and Francis is like, you're so pretty. And she's like, thank, thank you. It's just yeah. like... Yeah, that as happens if that, a lot. Yeah. It's just like... The actress was not expecting that to happen. She's just, like, reacting to it as if a stranger had really told her that. Yeah. Which is good. But at the same time, I'm used to watching my movie actors. Sure. And then, what's this girl doing? I I don't think this is, like, a particularly harsh criticism. It just kind of reminded me of that. There's a couple other moments like that where the people that are clearly not actors are still fitting in super well. Yeah. But... I mean that's that's something I like about it. So I, I would say it's not a bug; it's a feature. You know, um, yeah. I like those characters. I like those performances, and uh, I liked it more here than I did in Nomadland. I'll say well, that because Nomadland was boring and largely <laughs> pointless. And someone like threw a rock in a fire and cried, if I remember correctly. That was what it was all for. More um, memorable than Ocean's Eight. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so was the breakfast that I already forgot from two days ago uh, <laughs> i had cocoa puffs see this yeah. is i'm dealing with a schrodinger's oceans 8 because i think i haven't seen it but you've also told me it's so forgettable that you could never possibly remember dude. if you've seen it so i may have seen oceans 8 and just you don't may know have it dude uh good friend of the show joseph Kainrad like texted us because i brought the the movie up last week he's like yeah when there i feel like there was no conflict with james gordon's james corden's character i was like oh yeah he was in that movie i had no idea i had completely forgotten that james corden was even in ocean's eight man just didn't even happen in my brain you know i uh i try not to incredible i try not to hate watch uh neoliberal co-options of legitimate movements like feminism so I didn't. I wasn't hate watching it. I was trying to have a good time. <laughs> I wasn't like, let's see how this this sucks. Yeah. Like, I I was genuinely just like, ah, eh, what's this about? I like the oceans movies. Let's see if this one's any fun. Yeah, and it wasn't. Well, they yeah. If you if you make enough sequels to anything, it'll stop being fun. I don't know what to tell you, Hollywood. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. If you just keep doing it, eventually, uh, the the equity bottoms out, and we don't like stop. it anymore making terminators Ooh, there we go um no but one thing i did want to touch that actually uh 
that actually coincides with what you were saying that kind of uh there's a couple times where the movie draws attention to performance and that like reality is not a movie right like there's mm-hmm. there's those characters one that really stuck out to me was the uh the david bowie modern love montage where you've just got all these awesome shots of greta running and dancing through the streets of new york on the way to her brand new home she just figured it all out it, like mm-hmm. it, it, everything's coming up roses right like it's all going to be better now um and it's playing modern love which is just such a such a great song um such a such a great song and oh, then, yeah and then she gets back to the apartment and it just abruptly stops when she gets in there and just like really draws your attention to Hey, this is not the kind of movie where we do like pop song montages. What what were you doing? Were you getting excited, audience? Were you getting <laughs> were you feeling that? That's not what we're doing here. That's just a woman running and now she's home. You know, <laughs> like uh, what what do you think the what do you think the the intent was of moments like that that really that really drew attention to this is a movie, but it's also one of the more realistic and grounded movies out there. Oh jeez, I don't know. <laughs> me neither. That's why I asked you. I don't know. Are we you can just me say big questions on the spot. I didn't. I, don't know. I guess we could just say we noticed it. I didn't really have a lot to add other than uh, they, if their intent was to jar me, uh, they did. Um, and I don't know. It didn't really jar me too much. Um, with how fast this movie moved, I guess I wasn't like a montage sort of sequence wasn't completely out of the question for me you know yeah i mean it's not that there was a montage it's that they it was the only time in this very quiet very natural sound uh type of movie where they just blasted a pop song over the speakers through multiple cuts of things and then they abruptly just stopped like they're like and it's over like they didn't fade Uh out anything like she's in a quiet room now um and I guess, I don't know, maybe I think it worked well with, like, seeing Francis's internal world and her just, like, fantasy of, hey, things were looking real bad, but I solved it, and now things are always going to look good. Um, and then it takes you back to reality of, like, well, maybe that's true, but, like, you got to, like, wash your clothes and go to work, and you don't just start your new life the second you commit to it. You know, like, right. that's, 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 I don't know um why don't we, why don't we get into gimmicks i feel like it's about time yeah let's um yeah what is your favorite moment of effective brevity for francis haha for francis haha um shit you want me to give mine so you can find yours no i didn't i didn't think of one or write anything down for it well um boo on you uh here's mine to give you a second to catch up um the timeline yeah, yeah my mine are always very broad yours are very specific mm-hmm. uh the, my favorite moment of effective brevity is the timeline of the movie does not linger on any one thing or event for very mm-hmm. long good point you i was expecting this movie like kind of in the first act is about like her and sophie living together and then she decides she's actually going to move in with a friend in a different in a tribeca mm-hmm. and she's like well i can't afford that like well i was gonna tell you about it like yeah but i guess i could pay you know we got two months out i kind of wanted to renew i was expecting that to be kind of the main conflict of the film Mm -hmm. but then it just sort of happens and she's living with adam driver and benji now 
Like she's just moved in with different people and then she just keeps moving different places. Mm-hmm. What I thought was going to happen and what I thought the pace of this movie was going to be was completely flipped. And we're just, you know, even within the same sequences of her living in a place, they'll go, they'll cut to the next scene and it's a month later. Mm-hmm. And they don't specifically tell you that. You're just like, within context, you're like, oh, me and that guy broke up a couple weeks ago. And it's a person they had just asked out the scene yeah. before. Something like that, you know. Um, we're not catching all the highlights of these people's lives. We're catching just the details that they want to show us. Mm-hmm. So I do I do appreciate that. It's just like we're, we're just kind of firing through this. We're not going to linger too long on anything that doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Because this is a 90-minute movie or less. Hell yeah. Um, You know, on that note, I'll just say something similar. A weekend trip to Paris. Um, What what a brief stint that truly showed she is just fucking throwing darts at the wall and hoping she hits something. You know, like, she'll... She is completely directionless. She is in a place of despair. And eventually you just start trying shit you know like and uh-huh. um yeah the the like uh, just what a cool like in a coming of age movie and again second wave coming of age this is very for, mm-hmm. this is very uh this is very fitting for the type of movie it is you expect some cool white person travels internationally and has a spiritual awakening type of thing you know um, she never she yeah she's she like to going paris. to see puss in boots alone <laughs> just like wandering around paris with nothing to do she and, never gets over her jet lag so it's everything's closed the whole yeah. time she's out <laughs> yeah and she learns nothing like the only thing that comes from it is uh she missed something significant in sophie's life you know like she mm-hmm. missed that because she went to paris and uh and then the only other thing that comes from it is she's like later she's like oh yeah that was a waste of money and time i shouldn't have done that yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the whole story beat right like <laughs> i don't know why i did that yeah. <laughs> that was stupid of me that was such a dumb mistake she like yeah. alludes to it like later after like nothing came of it so i'll say it was really effective brevity of like what a cool way to show just like a desperate person engaging in futility because they have no idea what to do they go into debt to go for a weekend in paris alone that fucking sucks to prove a point to no one about how quirky they are you know like so fucking stupid (laughs) that that was my favorite moment of effective brevity um nice what's your what's your favorite line um i have a hunch we might have the same one yeah um it's very possible here uh two words ahoy sexy (laughs) it's not my favorite line but i do love it or uh my favorite line is actually starboard anal sex so i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) oh wow um no great great pick um mine is uh both the title of my autobiography and what i want written on my tombstone which is a lot older but less grown up (laughs) 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 the denny taylor story (laughs) cannot wait to pick that up uh my tombstone or my autobiography <laughs> uh, you know i can't lift heavy things <laughs> okay well my i think you know how much i talk so the autobiography is not going to be very brief i uh, i'm assuming i'm assuming it's my moderately priced grave marker we, that's more we of a just plaque. talked about brevity <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, with that might be pretty for heavy three too. hours <laughs> we 
just talked about brevity for three hours, Greg. <laughs> What's your fucking critic or score? We're so goddamn concise. Uh, yeah, that was just uh, you know, good, 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 well-made movie. Uh, I had my hesitations with it. Things I felt negatively, and I've explained that thoroughly enough. Twenty-nine out of forty. Oh fuck, that bad. Oh, that's good. That's that's more than that's, that's more lower than, than a fifty percent. Even I can do no, that. No, no, it's okay. What percentage of forty Wait, damn is twenty nine? Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! That that is just above a seven out of ten. This is a daily occurrence for me. It's You're a, not good at math. Math I, is not your strong suit. Wait till you see Jackass Forever. I think. Uh, yeah, believe me, it's not my strong suit. I accidentally went to see Jackass Six ever instead. Oh no! <laughs> like an idiot. I'm so bad at math. Um, uh, I, I just had to curb some recency bias, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I had Francis Ha at a 46, and I just dropped it to a 44. Um, okay. And you know, it, it, despite this being a, a, a brevity-focused episode, wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to give it 20 more minutes just to really make some stuff count. You know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I love this movie, and I think that should be pretty clear, so I hate that we're ending on me dropping its score. I guess I'd say, uh, I don't want 20 more minutes. It's fine the way it is. I uh, There you go. I think it did the best it could do in, in its time frame with the tools it had, and that puts it right on the cusp of being one of the all-time great movies ever, but not quite there. But it is one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long time, like something that... Something that really made an impression on me. I, I really liked it a lot. So, yippity dippity do, Greg. Yippity dippity do. The white zone is for seamless edits only. There is no recording in the red zone. <laughs> Don't you start up with your white zone shit again. <laughs> <laughs> we know this is what it's really about. You always wanted me to have that seamless edit. I did. I did. Well, in the right hands, it's safe and effective. So, <laughs> let's talk about airplane. It's a movie oh, that hold on. is funny. We made this mistake before with Brink. I just want to tell you both. Good luck. We're all counting on you. This movie is actually called Airplane because <laughs> it has an exclamation mark, baby. Um, um, yeah, it does this, have an exclamation, <laughs> Greg, um, it this, has an exclamation this, mark. Before we continue, this, uh, this movie is on the streaming platform that has some stuff you want to watch on it, but then it's, once you realize you need it, you realize I've got too many streaming services. That's right, baby. It's Paramount Plus. Oh, is that where it was? Yeah, the streaming services that makes you second guess subscribing to anything. I uh, I haven't caved yet. Uh, I watched it on Hulu, dude. It's on Hulu. No, it's not. That's get where I watched it. Here. That's where I watched it. Oh, get it, get out of here. Is it on yep, Hulu? it's on Hulu. Oh boy, did I just waste money? Oh, Greg, did you sub Paramount Plus? No. Oh no! I did a Amazon rental. Fuck you me! Sweet, it's on you, Hulu. You sweet, God damn it. sweet, beautiful boy. I'm so sorry for your loss of 3.99. God damn it! 
This movie's on Hulu, everybody. <laughs> it's on fucking Hulu. But if you've got Paramount Plus, you could flex your muscles there. Uh, have, does anyone another <laughs> chunk of five dollars we, we'd love to have you on our podcast if you have paramount plus because i just have so many questions for you yeah if you've we'd got paramount plus special episode with you paramount plus and amc plus like i'd love to just know what you're about dude you you seem like a fascinating person that i just have to ask some questions to if you well, have both of those i was trying to watch a specific show that's streaming on txu energy premium <laughs> Uh, <laughs> subscribe to everything oh man greg mm. shall we synopsize? yeah uh 1980s airplane exclamation mark denny go ahead please ah shit i thought i was gonna get out of it uh, uh thought. <laughs> airplane is a spoof movie of uh of airport uh which Imagine being so fucking good at roasting a movie that you just erased the movie you were roasting from the cultural zeitgeist. Like, they ended that man's whole career. Like, <laughs> who the fuck is talking about Airport or even knows what it is? Um, I haven't seen it. I probably never will. Um, I probably will out of curiosity now that I think about it. But um, I'll give it five minutes. Air Airplane is the absolute pinnacle of gag a minute spoof comedies. Uh, many have tried to replicate its greatness, but no one has. Um, it's it's the best to ever do it in this genre. Um, it basically follows a, a war pilot with PTSD and his former lover uh, on a plane ride, a flight, as they call him in the industry. I believe not a plane ride. <laughs> I've rode a plane, rode a plane, mm -hmm. rode a plane, I rode a plane. That's uh, Anna Nicole Smith on Kanye's workout plan from the college dropout. Um, and may she rest in peace. Um, and uh, I don't know, man, a whole bunch of bad shit happens while they're on the plane and it's all really fucking funny. And eventually uh, everyone gets sick uh, that ate fish. And this poor little PTSD pilot has to land the plane, both uh, in terms of story structure and very literally, he has to land a plane. Um, and in that nice. process, uh, he and his lover reconcile. Uh, that's the synopsis. I don't know much more to say about it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of what's fucking great about this movie, because it sure as hell isn't the story arc. Although, yeah. although I will say, it is actually a very good model and a very accurate portrayal of post-traumatic stress disorder and reparative experiences and the recovery process um they got that pretty right for all the silliness but greg what's your relationship with airplane i don't remember the first time i saw it um i think it was pretty late in the game i was probably like maybe in my 20s the first time i watched it this might have been the fourth fifth or sixth time i watched this movie uh, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those movies that's just, uh, and like it's quoted everywhere. Everybody knows yeah. the big gags from this movie and there are a bajillion of them. So you, you've heard most of the jokes before, but what's great is you can go into the movie having heard all of it and still get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, because um, there's so many, they snuck them in there. There's there's stuff I don't remember from it, like the uh, let's let's uh, pour as many lamps on that runway as possible. We'll do it right now. I forgot now. about that one too. I felt like that. I'd never seen it. Like I felt like I'd never seen that scene. 
Um, like, I feel like I would have remembered the visual, right? And yeah, it seems like they added it later. Um, and I watched this movie a lot. Like, I've seen it so many times, and I never ever remembered that gag. But go ahead. What's your relationship? No, that's that's kind of it. I ha- I haven't seen it in a few years. Um, I was really happy to mm-hmm. to watch this one again. I'm I'm always in the mood for this one, man. Oh, like, dude, same. I I honestly like the only reason I didn't want it to win the poll was because I I just seen it so many times, and there were uh, there were some other ones that I was just like, hey, I would love to watch Sleepwalk with me, you know, like or or mm-hmm. Rope or Tucker and Dale. I haven't seen those movies, so I was kind of rooting for them, but. I'm not going to act like I was upset that airplane won, you know, like it was, I was hyped and, um, dude, I started watching this movie at a very young age. This was like, I'm talking like probably seven or eight. Um, and I constantly rented it from blockbuster because it was funny. And if you looked very closely, there were boobies in it for a couple of seconds. And, um, I didn't know what sex was. I was pretty innocent. And I was, Mm -hmm. I was a very horny child, like didn't know why, didn't, didn't understand what was happening, but I knew I liked to see boobies and I wasn't allowed to, I knew those two things for sure. Um, (laughs) and my parents seemed to have forgotten that there were a couple frames of boobs in this movie. And I just rented it so many times and rewound over and over. And again, it would be one thing if I was like a pubescent boy okay you're a horny fucking penis monster i get it like i was like seven or eight and i was like these this movie is silly and these boobs rule you know like i that was just (laughs) i was me man i was was like surprisingly innocent for a child who was so damn horny (laughs) my life was filled with prepubescent escapades that made a lot more sense once i learned what sex was Um, Mm -hmm. i was just you know a rudder without a boat i guess you could say (laughs) please hear that on every level possible um (laughs) Um, this is a tough one man i'm i'm it's just so hard to uh feel like we're gonna add anything with a discussion of this movie like i i i would hate to just sit here and like quote all of my favorite parts because we would just recap pretty much the whole movie watch the movie Uh, Um, just just watch the movie yeah i uh i've got some thoughts i've got some thoughts one is uh one is the greendale effect um and why why i think this movie works so well um i once i once saw an interview with dan Harmon about writing the show community where Mm -hmm. basically he was like his mo with community was greendale can be a ridiculous and silly place like silly madcap shenanigans can happen at greendale Mm -hmm. but the people in it and the emotions that they feel need to be very real um yeah and i think that's something that just makes community work perfectly and um i never really thought about it before but that's what makes airplane rule um yeah it's that in the midst of all this insanity and just bonkers ass silly gags that are happening around them at all times the characters every last one of them plays everything serious as a heart attack and the film production like they're just attention to detail their focus like i said a minute ago um 
none of this seems in- improvised it seems like perfectly rehearsed and calculated and yeah um like it, it, it's they took what they were they took silliness seriously and that's why they made one of the best if not the best comedies ever made um, yeah. because they took silliness so seriously yeah everyone and this goes kind of for community too everyone is just a shade away from being the straight man yes yeah, i like no, that like, yeah there's no like it's not like other comedies where like everybody's completely silly and then one character just plays the whole thing completely straight as like an audience vessel yeah everyone in this movie just has like this quirky edge to them and is like almost playing the straight man but they're just they're just not yeah it's because great man it's just um a... <clears throat> I've I've seen so many other movies try to replicate this magic, and I've never seen one succeed. Um, I like, for example, I, uh, recently when I watched Airplane, I was like, "Ooh, that was really fun." Oh, you know what else I haven't watched in a while since childhood? The Naked Gun. So I, I put the Naked Gun on because I wanted some more, and I was I was just like, "Dude, all the ingredients are there except." It seems like for every line that Leslie Nielsen said, or that someone said to him in The Naked Gun, you had a team of writers be like, okay, what's every possible way someone could misinterpret that diction? Um, and, mm-hmm. and just did this very, very forced miscommunication, misunderstanding, shades of meaning-based humor. Um, and I was like, eh, it's like kind of funny. You know, like, I guess, but it's airplane it just is so goddamn smooth like just yeah. so fucking natural when they're doing these unbelievably contrived things um, yeah just it's like... a it's a litany of different kinds of humor yeah. where you're talking about i haven't seen naked gun surprise surprise i haven't seen a movie um it's but okay. yeah if if every joke is kind of the same style of joke it gets tired pretty quick yeah. this has like sight gags turn of phrase just like double entendres reveals um, call callback humor like all that all just crazy shit and then the the, the, absurdity the highly niche uh humor uh genre of uh a world famous basketball player trying to uh be having attention drawn (laughs) to the fact that um he is the actor in the movie but he's not really the the character is not kareem abdul javar and jen and then revealing that the character is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he wanted to fly a plane in his free time as a pilot. Very yeah. niche. Very niche. I haven't seen a lot of people do do jokes like that. That genre of yeah. humor. Yeah. <laughs> I, he was really good in this movie, um, but I don't think he really works hard enough on defense. And he only really <laughs> tries in the playoffs. So, uh... That was so good. Um. Let me ask you this. I don't know film history well enough uh, for this. Is this Leslie Nielsen's transition into comedy? Like the first yeah. he ever did? Oh, man. Um, Forbidden Planet to Airplane. What's in between there? I'm not really sure. Let's look up IMDb. Because, um, I mean, a lot of people... Like, Leslie Nielsen is one of those actors who uh, was around forever doing serious stuff. And <laughs> this is what people remember him for, which is like the last 10 years of his career doing madcap silly movies um which he was fantastic at for what it's yeah. worth um this is this is why nobody recognizes him in serious films yeah. is because of this movie 
and yeah. you know the naked gun obviously but he's basically playing a pretty similar character all right i've, I've got his imdb up uh let's see airplane was 1980 um i'm gonna assume that the little hobo wasn't the littlest hobo wasn't a comedy sounds um, hilarious <laughs> um dude he's just in a lot of tv stuff like the love boat like seriously i think this was like a a very a very abrupt pivot for him it looks like from his history which is just so cool to think that a dude could like uh reinvent him reinvent himself in that way that late in his career like leslie He's moving Nielsen his foundation to comedy wow leslie knee is, yeah. is what he was credited <laughs> as um speaking of credits did you watch through all the credits um oh shoot did i well i got to the end scene okay i have two notes uh one is that did you notice credit scene did you notice that they credited um charles dickens as the author of tale of two cities in their credits no i didn't yeah they just (laughs) put it in there they gave him credit where credit was due uh charles dickens did write tale of two cities and that's in the credits um and uh, uh, they didn't credit Gonzo though as <laughs> um, but uh, on their part. So I can't. I, I did some research on this the last time I watched it, which I think the last time I watched this movie, which was probably like two or three years ago, was the first mm-hmm. time I noticed it had a post-credit scene. And so I started looking it up. I couldn't find any like historical articles on this. But I also can't find proof of any film before it having a post-credit scene. Um, it, Interesting. I, I would have yeah. to assume it's probably not the first one to do it. But I can't find one that did, and I can't find anyone telling me that there was one earlier. So maybe it is. Like, and if it is, goddamn pioneer. And they did it for like the dumbest, silliest throwaway thing, which is just even better. Yeah they uh oh, it's perfect i kind of wish that i'm I, yeah i'm not going to tell how, these people how they should have written their comedy it's very very funny <laughs> they, but they like, clearly get it <laughs> like, they, they know they yeah. knew what they were doing yeah. i i personally wish that the only two references to that guy were um you know him being introduced as being in the taxi and then the end credit scene and like have the, those be the only two Mm-hmm. scenes with him yeah but that, that's who cares well they, they gave <laughs> us they gave us like one more look at him and then they gave us a long ass time to forget about him like after the i think pl- they gave him two looks really after yeah. i i i would have needed that because i would have forgotten about it just because so much shit happens in that movie yeah um that uh i don't think we ever see him after the plane takes off you know like we've had so much time to forget about him you know like we we, we do we do once oh really yeah okay but but yeah it doesn't matter too much yeah giving us there is a long spree between the last time we see him in the post credits i completely forgot about that guy and i didn't even (laughs) notice his 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 post credit scene aka a stinger i wish i wish people were still calling him stingers because that's cool um but uh yeah, I, I completely forgot about his little his little bit, and that was just a nice little attention to detail for me. Um, dude. dude, you know how when we watch Cats, this is something that happens a lot when we're watching bad movies uh, in my mm-hmm. house and in your house. Um, 
you're like, okay, I've probably been watching this about an hour. I'm sure it's getting close to winding down. You pause to check and you go, God damn it, it's only been 20 minutes. How mm-hmm. is that possible? Um, that happened with me this time I watched Airplane. Like, Vanessa was like, oh, she came in after it. After I'd started it, she was in a meeting and uh, I was like, hey, do you want to watch this with me? And she was like, how far into, into it are you? I was like, oh gotta be like 45 to 50 minutes and i paused it and i was only 20 minutes into it and for the first time ever i was like yes i'm only 20 <laughs> minutes into this movie there's so much more fun to be had um and but it's that has they, never been good news yeah yeah exactly i was like oh wait that's cool i'm i'm actually happy that less time has transpired than i thought it had and uh and and i also think that's because like dude they pack so much material into so little time in this movie. Yeah. I, I refer to it as a gag a minute movie, but really it's like this a is... gag every 25 seconds movie, like nonstop. No kidding. And they're all good. Every one of them lands like other than the, the racist and homophobic ones, which for obvious reasons, you're kind of like, uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's not like a one for, for sheer, uh, for sheer, lack of humor landing that you're just like "Mm, come on next joke that was okay like they're all there's so many jokes and they're all so fucking funny and brilliant like they're never lazy in any of them they're so jam-packed and like you said calculated before um but this also just man it feels like nothing was left on the cutting room floor it feels like every idea that was pitched was fully fleshed out and executed yeah Yeah. like there was if there was an extra i don't believe there were extra ideas left on the table when this movie was getting written yeah right like no dude well like that's the thing is like uh listen i get it like if you liked Step Brothers and you don't understand why it was critically panned um Mm -hmm. i understand that you liked that movie and no one respected it from a filmmaking perspective because i liked that movie and it's like lightly edited improv to borrow a phrase from a youtube channel um you know like that's yeah. it's not a fantastically made film that does not apply here critics won't take this that seriously ever and give it its flowers because it's a comedy and it's silly this is a goddamn filmmaking masterpiece and I'm not joking in terms of planning, timing, and mastery of the craft of comedy. Airplane mm-hmm. is a goddamn S-tier all-time classic. And I won't hear yeah. anything different. Like, it is... It's seriously, like, so funny it's art. <laughs> like, like, it's so <laughs> good. Just, like, anyone who... It, like, I get it. Like, there, there is, uh, there's a skill set that goes into, like, uh, improving a fart joke. and uh, And I have it. And I use it a lot, um, and no one's. No, giving... you just fart. Uh, I, you know, I like to spice stinky. it up. Um, I do have stinky farts, but um, no, no, no. But like, there's a skill set that goes into that, and I really enjoy it. So I don't want to like use this as a platform to shit on Will Ferrell because I enjoy his work. I'm a fucking millennial male. We all do. It's the rules. The police will come get us if we don't like Will Ferrell <laughs> movies. Um, That's right. But um, all of that goes to say, like. There's a difference between uh, Will Ferrell and Anchorman and Will Ferrell and Kicking and Screaming, right? Which I love both movies, but, like, mm-hmm. Anchorman is well-planned and makes you feel things and is fucking hilarious, you know? Like, and 
Airplane is not the same as fucking Happy Gilmore, okay? And I love Happy Gilmore. It's a funny movie if you grew up on it from a filmmaking perspective. It's pretty over the plate. Not a lot of flavor to it, right? Like, but yeah. very, very funny, and I'll always love it. Airplane is fucking just impressive. It's impressive yeah. filmmaking, and it happens to be funny. But it's impressive yeah. filmmaking. I'll I'll kind of give my thought on your point, and then also give one kind of final point on or towards the beginning of what you were saying there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we've talked about comedy or horror as like a kind of a looked over genre, and in terms of like filmmaking and like critical appeal, it is as difficult to get a laugh as it is like a dramatic performance. Like we've talked about an effect being as impressive as a, a good dramatic performance. Um, this movie is in terms of filmmaking impressive as impressive as like an extended super long shot in like a Scorsese film yeah. with like orchestrating all these moving yes. parts and timing it all perfectly well. This movie is doing the same thing to achieve a completely different goal, and yes. I think it succeeds at that. Yeah, but it's, it's a Rembrandt like, painting. It's just a painting of something funny, but it's a Rembrandt painting, right? Like, it's, it's a, a masterpiece. It's a Rembrandt painting of a penis and... <laughs> of a poopy just, wiener. Um. Of just a poopy... Just like a, the most beautiful dick butt picture you've ever seen. <laughs> like, But going back to what you were talking about earlier, kind of comparing comedies with like stepbrothers or i just want to tell you both good luck we're all counting on you stepbrothers are yeah kind of going back to our discussion on you know more popular comedies especially of like the early 2000s and everything yeah yeah Um... i I remember them i was there i still watch them a lot what sets this one apart is there is a vast majority of jokes that you can tell out of context from this movie where you need to have seen anchorman and if you quote anchorman anybody that hasn't seen it is going to be like what the fuck are you talking about that's not funny if you've seen it very funny but if you haven't you're kind of out of the loop with this movie you could hit somebody like if somebody says like surely you've got to be kidding me and if they haven't seen airplane if you hit them with a like don't call me Shirley. Of course I'm not. Don't call me Shirley. They're going to laugh because that shit is funny. Yes. Universally funny. It's like it, it's it's good universal jokes that don't always that don't need context. Um more so than I would, you know, say for the average like the more modern comedy like we were kind of talking about. Mm-hmm. And then but but it's it's all that. It's like perf- it's fantastic verbal comedy, visual comedy. Yep. Ah, well, and that's, already praised and, it enough. And the thing that the thing that makes it so impressive to me is that it's the same reason that I'll I'll give the MCU its due, right? Um, because everyone is trying to replicate it, and no one is succeeding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you could say Marvel movies are formulaic and uninspired and uh, capitalist bastardizations of art, and you'd be a hundred percent right, but. Don't tell me there's not some skill to it because no one else can do it, right? Like, no one mm-hmm. else can pull it off. 
you've got to give credit where credit is due that they're seriously doing the most impressive feat of continuity in, in cinema history, right? Like mm-hmm. it's no one, everyone wants to, everyone else sucks at it. Marvel is good at tying all these movies together with a plan. Um, I'd say the same thing about airplane of, I, I, I grew up watching, I loved spoof movies that were inspired by airplane. I loved, and a lot of them had Leslie Nielsen in it. Yeah. I grew up loving mafia hot shots uh, the stupids, um, the naked gun, um, all, all those scary movie, uh, was where it, the genre went to die, unfortunately, but, Ooh, um, yeah. to quote, to quote community, uh, Troy Barnes, there was a time for subtlety and it was before scary movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Um, but all that goes Troy. to say, um, I've watched, pretty much all of those movies back in my adult life and been like these fucking blow i liked this because i was nine um Mm -hmm. airplane just gets better every time i watch it i just appreciate it more and it's the movie that all those movies wish they were and they just couldn't do it because airplane is that fucking good you can't replicate it um sometimes sometimes you see a movie like this that kind of broke the mold in terms of a genre and you see what came later. Like, for example, an example of that for me, you know what I don't like that everybody likes? I don't like American Graffiti very much. Um, okay. I just, I don't I don't see the point. I, it's just not that great to me. Um, I haven't seen it. It's, I think it's Will. Stop bringing up movies Sorry. I haven't seen. I think it's friend of the show, Will Reno's favorite movie, if I'm not mistaken. And good on him for that. I'm not going to yuck his yum. Um, I, I, I don't Fuck. get it. I don't get what's so fucking special about it. And my theory is this. American graffiti set the standard for what would be the coming of age genre for like 30 years. And I saw all the movies that were influenced by it and improved upon it before I saw American graffiti. And that's why I don't really give a shit about American graffiti because yeah, it walked. So, uh, I don't know. Fast times at Ridgemont high could run. Right. Um, but Mm -hmm. I, well, you know what, what's the point of going back and rewatching the foundational work when someone did it better, you know, like I, and I'd say, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done it without American graffiti, but guess what? They did it. Um, and so I don't really have a lot of time for American graffiti, dude. You cannot say the same about airplane. Like everyone else tried to build off it and they just got it right. The first time the end, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they did it the best it was ever going to be done. And no one else ever reached this height in the genre of uh spoof movies spoof movies you know like just never yeah like never again would someone do something this good and they probably never will i'd say the closest thing you can get is probably space balls and airplane is leaps and bounds better and that's coming from a guy who loves space balls i love it airplane Ooh. is leaps and bounds better than space balls yes it is coming from a guy that is not too high on space balls <laughs> but would you would you agree that it's but, probably yeah. the second best spoof movie. Uh, Even with a big gap between first and second. I would I would I would have to really think about it. Okay, okay. Um But but yeah, I I we say all this like, ah, oh, it'll never be topped. It's never been topped. People have tried, haven't gotten close. I I wouldn't ever want to discourage anyone from trying. You know, I feel like Are, 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 I don't know. Are just are people dumber? No, 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 no. I think it's this. This is my theory. Um, 
I think it's this. Unlike other genres, comedy completely changes about once every 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so if you came out and made this movie now, people might call it boomer humor or something. You know, like, um, I don't know. Airplane's pretty fucking timeless. But all that goes to say, spoof movies have been old news for a long ass time. And we moved on. Yeah. Then we moved on to character comedies, right? Um, of like Austin Powers, Billy Madison, uh, Superstar, right? Like we're gonna follow this one out cold. That's not a character comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my bad. Um, um, and then you know that lasts for about ten years or so, and then Superbad shows up and changes the game, and now it's all about being really raunchy but also being sincere and it's a dramedy right like and mm -hmm. um and now we just said fuck it and we have tiktok i guess um sorry but uh yeah. <laughs> holmes and Wait, watson really nothing... fucked up the whole comedy genre for us way to go shitheads <laughs> nothing that requires too much attention span but yeah i i was i was kind of coming at it more of like i don't want to discourage people from trying the maybe not a spoof thing i don't know how you do it without being a spoof but like the joke a minute sight gags as much as um you know verbal jokes that kind of thing like there's got to be some room or some like avenue to deliver the same kind of like joke every 30 second just like endless types of gags in a movie dude i think you know i think this is this is where it fails greg and this is why this is happening now I really try not to be a, I'm in the wrong generation. Things were cooler in the past person. Oh, God. I will, I will say this. They used to make better movies. They just they just did, and I'm not saying good movies still don't get made. And they, don't, they weren't better because of the time period or because of whatever. This is why they were better. There was a zeitgeist in Hollywood that you had to make a good movie or it wouldn't make any money. And that zeitgeist has been disproven. Oh, yeah. That is, oh, that is completely disproven. And we, me and you, are complicit in this. I'm not, I'm not looking down on everybody else. I'm saying I'm part of it. We have mm -hmm. shown them that they do not have to try and we will give them money for their movies. And they used to mm -hmm. just assume that they would have to try. So they made better movies. In general, the average movie was better than the average movie that's coming out right now. Because they assumed that if the movie's lazy and uninspired, no one's buying a ticket. And that just was not true and is not true. And so we, they, they don't need to try as hard as they used to try. And so you're not going to get something that took as much planning as Airplane. Like, can you imagine the months and months and possibly years of preparation that went into this whole movie? Versus mm -hmm. you could point a camera at fucking Will Ferrell and tell him to talk for two hours and make more money than Airplane made. You're a producer. What are you going to green light, right? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, uh, it's not a hard decision from a financial standpoint. But Everything is, everything is just marketing research anyways. Yeah. It's just like, here's what's successful. Yeah. We'll make art later, but for now we have to make money. Uh, they, they, they're never going to make the art, Greg. I've got bad news for you. I don't know. Did they're, you see cats? They're just going to keep no. making money until society collapses, and every so often they throw us a Francis Ha, but that's more because uh, an artistic person felt like they had to make it and fought for it, and uh, 
And you can watch it on the extremely popular streaming service Criterion Channel that everyone has oh, in their I home. Thought, <laughs> I they were going to make another joke about fucking... I don't know. Does Sony have their own streaming? No, service but that's yet? that's that's where well-made movies go now. They're like vinyl records. They're for they're for a niche audience that really really cares, and that's not who most movies are made for. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I, I liked it better when they tried harder. And if that makes me like an like a fucking curmudgeon, I don't know what to tell you. Like, watch fucking. Watch fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then watch Sing 2 and you tell me which one had more heart. Jesus Christ. Like, the Michael Bay one? Or? No, god damn it. The fucking <laughs> New Line Cinema one. And that's not a fantastic movie. And I probably wouldn't like it if I didn't grow up watching it. I'm not saying it's like better because I was a kid when I watched it and I feel things about it. I'm saying tell me which one you think had more effort put into it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie or Sing. You tell me. You tell me which one you think people cared more about when they were making it. Don't even tell me which one's better cuz honestly, I happen to like Sing a lot more than I thought I would. I had to I saw it with uh with the uh with the brothers, the younger brothers uh and I was like, I ah, I'm not excited about getting dragged to this, but I am visiting them at their home in Arizona. Uh who am I to say no, I picked the movie. Um, you know, like, and I actually honestly ended up being like, hey, for a movie that was an excuse to copyright pop songs and for some reason make a children's movie about fucking reality singing shows, like, kids can't just get enough of that. I thought the animation was really impressive and I thought a lot of the voice acting work was really good. Um, and, again, I say all this to qualify, I don't want to be this guy. Just watch watch Ninja Turtles and watch Sing, and you tell me which one the filmmakers cared more about making. And I'll leave it at that. This has been Sing Corner, the <sighs> Movies for Wing podcast. I guess there's a sequel. Um, Man, where how, do we go from here? How about Airplane that autopilot? Buddy? How about that autopilot running gag? Holy shit, that's so funny. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, the autopilot bit. Ah. <sighs> He's inflatable, folks. I, I, I like I like everything going on in the cockpit, man. Uh, even before the plane takes off, the guy... The cockpit? What is it? <laughs> it's a small room at the front of the plane where the people fly the plane, but that's not important right now. There it is. Um, yeah, like the guys in the beginning cleaning off the windshield and <laughs> getting under the hood and everything. Terrific. Dude. Yeah, again, I... I feel like Airplane deserves for us to just run down every single joke in it because they're all awesome. Uh, we're not going to do that here, folks. That's not uh, just just watch Airplane. Don't I'll, don't let us repeat their jokes. Um, uh, Greg, do you have anything else that's just like uh, burning in your mind that you're like, I need to say this about Airplane if we're going to talk about it? Uh, no, I honestly kept like very minimal notes. It was just kind of yeah. like overarching thoughts that uh honestly you or i already brought up so i'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same i'm set with i'm set with airplane yep this is a you know we have the we have the whiplash warning of like this is so good that you're not allowed to listen to us talk about it if you haven't seen it right um mm -hmm. i think we should get we should coin the uh the this is spinal tap outro um where it's basically like uh uh 
hey, this movie is amazing and we are really not giving enough time to it for how amazing it is. And that's because uh, you should just watch their work instead of hearing us repeat their work. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, what's what's the point of that? That's just us stealing their thunder. And you don't need to go on a podcast and repeat jokes like you're at a sleepover. Just go watch the movie if you want the jokes. Uh, this movie is uh, so fantastic, so fun, just so just, like, cheerful. You know, like, it just makes me happy. It puts me in a good mood. Thinking about it makes me happy. Talking about it makes me happy. There's just so much, like, uh, good-hearted silliness with enough cynicism to not feel cheesy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, let's... let's Do we have a better name than the This Is Spinal Tap outro? Because I feel like it. it's the first movie we really, we really treated like this. You know, where we're just like, it's so fucking good. I don't really have a lot of negatives to say. And it's also not really deep enough for me to start talking about themes. It's a really funny, really good movie, and you should just go watch it. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a better name, honestly. Like that's, like we could, we could just recount everything all day, but that's not gonna get us anywhere. Just, just go watch it. it like everybody's already seen it though, so go watch it here. again. I've never gotten tired of it. I'd watch it again tonight. Yeah, like I don't think anybody listening to this hasn't seen it. Obviously, since this one the uh, audience poll i would say the majority of people that would listen have already seen it they already love it they feel the same as us they just want to you know yeah hear maybe another mild take on a couple things or kind of validate their own thoughts on it and that's what we're here to provide (laughs) sometimes we have uh we have really unique uh perspectives and just like cool takes and cool like personal interpretations about a movie that you couldn't get anywhere else and uh, airplane is not one of those movies so i'll go home on opening my notes app and saying i just noticed that in my excitement to watch movies last night in all caps i titled a section of it frabsis ham that's 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 my tribute to airplane is i accidentally wrote down frabsis ham (laughs) As the movie was starting, I was like, "Oh shit! Make, make the make the make the thing real quick and focus on starring the movie. great girling." <laughs> Fraps his ham. It's like a, I, I just got a Virtual Pro Wrestling two from uh, Japan on N sixty four, and I was looking mm-hmm. up the un- unlockables. And the company that made these games would often uh, they liked to circumvent uh, a lot of copyright laws by putting a wrestler in the game. Um, oh my god yeah uh, giving them the wrestlers moves and making them look mostly like the wrestler but a little bit dollar store knockoff if you know what i mean um and uh and you would just you know use your imagination and then they could use a wrestler that they didn't have the rights to um i looked up one of the unlockables was andy the jiggant (laughs) (laughs) Andy the Jigant is my new favorite wrestler. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who that was supposed to be. <laughs> oh, man. Rock Frozen Speeb San Antonio <laughs> made the cut. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, Bru- Bruce Banner Homeland. <laughs> Am I right, folks? There we go. Um, Greg, what's your favorite moment of brevity, moment of effective brevity in Airplane? Um, 
I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's basically just like you can pick this movie up anywhere. Like you were saying, Vanessa came in late, pretty late to the game, like twenty minutes in. You could just put this on thirty minutes into the movie, and you're just gonna have a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you you don't need to watch it start to finish. You could you could just <laughs> jump in at the thirty minute mark and just have a good time. It's a series of bits that are loosely connected by a, a nominal story. <laughs> I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. All right, Greg, let's a land this A series of loosely connected bits that are sometimes repeated for comedy. <laughs> yes, uh, recurring bits even. Uh, yeah. Uh, very mm. hilarious recurring bits. And I I don't know how none of the actors broke <laughs> with those recurring right. bits. Um, Me neither. Uh, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite moment of effective brevity, Denny? Dude. It is something that I always forget about and something that the way they just no-sell it and deadpan it, I, no matter how many times I see it, I will fucking guffaw out loud at the at the sight gag when uh, she asks uh, for when he's getting his ticket, smoking or non-smoking, and he says smoking. Oh fucking and God. she just hands him a smoking ticket like that's emitting smoke. And, and he completely no-sells it, giving like the implication... That he knew he chose to have his ticket emitting Emitting smoke smoke. or not. Like, basically, the implication based on his reaction is that he understood the question and he expected to be handed this thing. And that's what makes it so funny. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that, like, to the actor or to the characters, there wasn't a miscommunication. And it's just this real quick, real quick, like, just one two punch of a joke um set it up and knock it out of the park and we're we're moving on and that Mm -hmm. that's my favorite moment of effective brevity because dude i'm laughing just thinking about it right now like it's just so fucking funny to me and it's like a lesser movie would have had him go not the ticket the section right like and it's just a Mm -hmm. moment that like so effectively shows that the absolute funniest way to do that joke was to have him say thank you and take the ticket and walk right (laughs) like that's the funniest way to do that joke implying that this is what he wanted he wanted a ticket that was smoking not a section that was smoking (laughs) and, and then it's so funny that like it implies that the airline would have that option for customer convenience and preference that, you know, that they could, you could choose if you wanted a regular ticket or one that smokes, it would be your pick, <laughs> which is just so fucking funny. It's like a two second joke. So quick. It's so that quick. Just brings up even more questions. They, they show him possibly. walking up to the plane and there's just a little bit of smoke still coming out of it. And then it's yeah, over. Exactly. Like it's so fucking good um what's what's your favorite line greg man uh there were more than plenty to choose from but i went with it it, every iteration of this line though it was maybe three times i think this came up but a hospital what is it it's a big building with patients but that's not important right now yes so fucking that's one of those universal jokes that like you don't need to have seen the movie to think that's a funny joke um that one is uh that one is listed i'm gonna call it a runner-up because like i literally had a thought when i was watching i was like how the fuck am i supposed to pick a favorite line from this movie 
Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. I just need to close my eyes and point and call that one my favorite. Because there's just... I'm never going to, like, rank the lines in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'll mention that. Um, I'll mention, uh, uh, on the same note, an honorable mention to... Uh, you nervous? Yeah. First time? Oh, no, I've been nervous lots of times. <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, something I already quoted, which is... Listen, Betty, don't start up with your white zone shit again. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fucking funny. (laughs) It really lets you know what the movie's about. Yeah, that was a a tonal (laughs) forecast of what was to come. Mm -hmm. That was like the first really fucking absurd thing you saw, right? Like, (laughs) it's just so fucking good. There's um, never been parking in the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah. uh what's your what's your critic or score, Greg? Well, we we praised it uh endlessly here. Um you know, we could we we briefly touched on, you know, maybe some racist issues, maybe um some homophobic kind of stuff. that's a thing of the times and it was funny at the time doesn't mean it has to be funny now we've said similar many times Mm -hmm. um speaking jive is still pretty funny though but i'm not not gonna act like it wasn't like let's say there's no context there's no history of systemic oppression there's no history of white people mocking the way black communities speak um if that didn't exist that's pretty funny but it unfortunately does exist so i feel uncomfortable when they do it because it's yeah it's kind of uh i don't i don't want to say they meant to punch down because it just Mm -hmm. it honestly it seems like the laziest trick in the book honestly which is like uh which is Oh, the skinny white girl is rapping, but usually big black men rap. So it's funny because she's not a big black man. She's a skinny white girl and she's rapping. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the laziest fucking thing that's ever been done and is honestly kind of offensive. Um, But um, it doesn't. Let's just say. Greg, it's not your eyes place to comment on what's racially appropriate and what's insensitive. It's our place to listen to what people who have been harmed by jokes like this would say is in, is inappropriate. I don't love that part, and we could just cut it from the movie, and I wouldn't miss it. And mm-hmm. it's also pretty funny. Objectively, <laughs> in, in a microcosm, in a vacuum, where it's not a snapshot of a horrible part of culture, but is just a bit to do a bit if you could isolate it sure but you can't isolate it and that's the problem right like it's absolutely reflective of some cultural attitudes and beliefs that are were and are harmful right like but so uh, it's 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 a hell of an upgrade from a white person saying the n-word for shock laughs there we go I'll, i'll at least say that uh but i can't endorse uh i can't endorse it as something that's just like it's just good fun it's not it's racist 
Back when you could say things. Whatever. Fuck that shit. That's not us. <laughs> Don't put us in that uh, uh, category. <laughs> fuck that shit. Um, Greg, what's your what's your critic score? Uh, if, if I said it now, I would get canceled. Oh, fuck off. Am I right, guys? God. Anyways, yeah. I just yeah, can't I, say I, anything. You just can't say anything nowadays. I can hardly use racial slurs at work anymore. What's this world <laughs> coming to? Um... <sighs> <laughs> okay, I'll 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 stop myself here. Um I I, I think the movie it's so joke a minute, sight gag a second, if like it does kind of lose a little bit of steam unless you're committed to paying attention the whole time. Yeah, a little bit. I, a little bit. I I love every like every basically every joke gets a laugh though everything is objectively funny within you know the microcosm of this movie like we were just talking about it's just if if you're if you're in the mood to laugh this movie has more than a few ways to do so but you know sustaining that for 90 minutes even when those jokes are funny you're just like oh man i'm getting kind of tired yeah which all the credit to them they made a movie that was too funny um i'll give this one i'll give this one a 34 out of 40 okay okay um i gave it a 48 out of 50 um the only shit the only comedy because again i rank by genre right um Mm -hmm. the only comedy i have ranked higher is the big lebowski okay nice then so if we are comparing like truly the greatest and most well-made comedies of all time i'm really okay saying big lebowski's number one and airplane is number two i i like that that's that's a totally acceptable pairing i love it yep um greg what is the best movie for when you've only got 90 minutes to watch a good movie uh it's airplane guys even though i rated iron giant higher but yeah like i said um what in my in the gimmick for this one even if you've got less than 90 minutes just start airplane 30 minutes into it or only watch the first 30 minutes you're still going to get the same thing out of it you're you're just gonna have a good time yeah so you got 90 minutes just you're just like in the hotel waiting to check out or whatever you just turn on the tv and you're halfway through airplane and you're like oh shit i need to kill 45 minutes i'll watch this for a little while yeah you're gonna have a great time yeah man uh i gotta go with airplane as well um i do think uh you know francis ha is a strong contender and honestly it's amazing that they made a drama that i like so much in that time frame but i'll also say francis ha feels like a two-hour movie like it feels longer than yeah. 90 minutes to me just because of the way it's paced and it's it's impressive that they got it all done but like airplane has that vibe of we're in we're out we had a good time let's move on to what we have to do with the rest of our day or whatever it is you know like i needed a quick pick me up that didn't require much deeper thought and that's what i'm looking for when i'm like "Mm, keep it at 90 minutes you know like an, an airplane is airplane's the best for that i believe uh this is uh we didn't have an audience pick last week um but before they picked the man who wasn't there and i believe we we agreed that that was our best right uh am i am i mistaken 
for lesser oh, known boy. work, it was Man Who Wasn't There, Swamp Thing, th- and Ensemble. Uh, and Ensemble. I, I think we disagreed. We I, disagreed. I, I we disagreed. You're yeah. right. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah. Audience is making good picks as far as I'm concerned right now. The audience is crushing it. Crushing man. it. Um, yeah, we, you guys are going to be a huge part of October and um, yeah, just future episodes. Just, we, we love hearing you guys' suggestions. We love. Um, I just think we might have some cool things coming down the pipe for the audience. Oh yeah, we just true. we just might we just might have a, a few things in development because we love you guys. We love you quite a bit. Love you. Um, do we have a don't, do we have a theme for next week, Greg? We don't have a theme. Do, for do next you want to do the one we talked about earlier today? It's the freshest on my mind. That's the freshest on my mind. Uh, I feel like it's too soon, but honestly, like, I mean, this is something if, we could if repeat. I think about it. Th- yeah, we could do this multiple times. I, I would um, sequel this one. This could even be our like uh, break glass in case of emergency theme. You know, like we'll, we'll be able to keep doing this. Yeah, this isn't an emergency, but I I feel I just feel like doing this. One. I, I kind of do too. I'm excited about it. Um, we are gonna do um, movies for when your vote didn't win the audience poll. Um, so uh, basically, uh, the only movies up for grabs next week are movies that have lost a popular vote in an audience poll. And Greg and I have already decided that our third pick is the only movie to have lost two audience polls. It's the only movie that's been on a poll twice, and it lost both times. Uh, our third movie is Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Um, I don't I don't have my pick yet, because we just decided this right now, and I want to go back and look at the polls. Do you have your pick? Well, in, in the spirit of things, do you want to give, like, the all the runners up, put those in their own straw poll, and then the top two make it in? And then we do pop star as kind of like the I like that default pick, so we don't get picks. I like that. What? How yeah. about we pick the poll options? Because I wouldn't want to just do runners. Okay. Up. Um, we could pick like, yeah. hey, you pick two movies. Wait, wait, wait. We'll each pick three. How about that? We'll each pick three yeah, we'll, movies we'll... that lost a poll, and uh, the top two we do. Okay, I like that. Does that work? Yeah. Okay, that works. Cool. I'll get. I'll get on that. But we are doing pop star never stop yes that's never that's stopping. that's done it lost two polls it deserves it um it's our most uh controversial audience pick in the sense that it keeps getting nominated and it keeps getting votes so there's clearly some people Rightfully who want to see so. it done but yeah. it keeps not winning so people don't want it bad enough so we're just gonna we're gonna just end this war we're gonna mm-hmm. break the chain like an ensemble and we're just gonna do uh-huh. we're gonna do pop star um, I have one letter to Andy Samberg and one to Yorma Tacone, and uh, uh, they're also uh, they're both Akiva Schaefer is what they're going to find out. Um. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> fucking nice. Um, yeah, that's it, everybody. That's it. That's the whole fucking episode. We hope you liked it, Denny. One last thing I gotta ask of you, though. Yes, Greg. You only have ninety seconds to give me a catchphrase. Give me that. <sighs> give me that. I should have got that. I was only joking. I'm joking. Uh, for Greg work, Victor. What's your vector, Johnson? I'm Denny over Roger Taylor, and this has been 
Movies for when? Ersonal, you both know. Good luck. We're counting on you. 